Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, what the fuck? I have a little battery in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Shanko. And to my right... Kiva Sweeney. Yeah. What up? They say we're not professional. They said we weren't professional. <laughs> <laughs> and we <Why>? proved them right. <laughs> <laughs> seen they proved them right every single week, Mikey, to be honest with you. No, you see, you know what it is, right? Is that everybody else does second takes. <laughs> uh, you're like the Clint Eastwood of the podcast world. You just get it done, get it out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think doing second takes is pretentious. Yeah, <laughs> see, we, we want to give our listener us words and all, like, don't we? Yeah. Plus, it takes probably... too much time. <laughs> I think what the best thing is. For Mickey to have stopped that and then actually played that song again, we'll talk, like, maybe an extra 40 seconds. Yeah, but now we're getting all this good convo. <laughs> <laughs> this is classic convo. Classic icebreakers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still want to wish me happy birthday? Even though it's not my birthday anymore. But, but since then, a birthday has passed. What age do you think? Well, he's no actually. What the Aye, fuck well, am I mean? We're all the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was surprised you were turning 27 because I would have said 28. What? <laughs> but we all know that you're older than me. I, you're, my I, big, you're my big sugar daddy. I don't think about that. <laughs> well, you're five months older than me. And then Kiva, you're four months older than me. See? Yeah. We're like his mum and dad. You know, I think it's weird. A lot of parents were like pregnant at the same time. You ever think about that? I think about that all the time. Maybe they were in like a big orgy together. <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't want to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it hang out in the background and see what happens. Yeah, I know. I think about that quite a bit. I really? No, big, I've all, literally never thought about that. All our big younger pregnant mas but in the white dairy, not knowing what's going to come. <laughs> and knowing the joys that they were. Well, I wouldn't say that much. My ma definitely not. She was 17, like. She was shitting herself. <laughs> <laughs> I think my ma tried to pull the Immaculate Conception card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, obviously I usually drink vodka, but just speaking of my birthday and speaking of vodka, the very half bottle of Glenn's vodka, not an advertisement that I'm drinking, was brought to me by our fair Kiva Swinney. Seems like the cheapest present ever. Doesn't matter how you... Not a full bottle, Well, do you know what's better than getting a a present off someone? Not getting a present off someone, Michael Bresson. What did you get me for my birthday? I got you like a fucking ball of cactus checks. It was only a fiver, but it was a thought that counted. Did you actually? I did, right. Mm, And for your engagement. Where's my engagement present, Mickey? Well, get fucking engaged. (laughs) 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 Where's my fucking ring? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I know I was I, I actually had a super really good present. Don't let me. No, no, I did. 
I was because Elaine suggested maybe wrapping up the the rest of the topaz bottle and giving uh. me that. So I thought I could do that air, but last week as well, Shan left a shirt here. So I was going to wrap Did that I? up in really like nice wrapping paper and all. Oh, fuck that shirt's here. Yeah. I fucking looked everywhere <laughs> for that shirt today. I fucking totally forgot I left it here. Yeah, oh, so remind I, me to take that tonight because so I'm was, taking it away. I was going to wrap it up in nice wrapping paper and all, give it to you, and then as well, oh, a near the empty bottle of topaz <laughs> and your own shirt bag. <laughs> <laughs> and then the great present. Yeah, I, I would have been delighted getting the shirt bag, don't get me wrong. If you would have handed me a topaz, would I actually leave? I was actually scared because I was thinking about wrapping the topaz up in the shirt and then if the topaz leaked and then just, like, there's no getting topaz out there. No, I doubt that very much. It was jet black. (laughs) Jet, jet jet black. But, yeah. Well, thanks anyway. At least you thought about getting me a present. It's a thought that counts. I I know I love that because people say it's a thought that counts. Well, technically, people could just say, oh, well, I thought about getting you a present, so, you know, obviously I'm lethal. That's not the case whatsoever. I think it is. <laughs> I love Facebook because you can just like say happy birthday and you don't have to like buy people cards or shit. You know, oh, I hate all that shit because like people that like I haven't talked to in fucking years or wish me a birthday. It's like, you don't give a shit. I kind of <laughs> like that though too. Because no. sometimes like, sometimes if it's someone that you haven't seen in a long time, you think, yeah, they dig me or something. Like why else they no, say happy birthday? Ca- it because comes it up. comes up on their thing. I know, but like it comes up my one every day and I say happy birthday to nobody. I well, that's what I do. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I think if, if you're important enough, in my life that it's your birthday I'll see you in person and say happy birthday there's a very few select people that I will actually <laughs> so there's birthday. about five people you'll say happy birthday no no I mean like if like if I see you in real life and I know it's your birthday I'll say happy birthday that's what, that's my point but how many people do you actually see in real life on their birthday used to <laughs> <laughs> fair point that's all matters really am I? But I feel quite special. Yeah, so do I. Now, there's a couple of people on Facebook, like friends who live away and stuff. I'll say happy birthday to them because I know I would have genuinely seen them on their birthday. So I would say happy birthday on Facebook then. But obviously I can't because they're away. You know. But it's not a, it doesn't actually come to well, yeah. like how much you care about someone. It's just no, if, you, it does. if you actually no, physically see them. Oh, yeah. If I... Well, I if I know it's your birthday and I see, I'll say happy birthday. But but if you didn't know someone that well and you seen them on their birthday, you probably wouldn't know it was their birthday. Did you? Well, enjoy- Facebook. <laughs> oh yeah. But then you go home, and you're like, oh fuck, I seen them. <laughs> <laughs> then you be like, oh, happy birthday! Oh, I know I seen you earlier. <laughs> I won like a year ago. It's like she's really good friends with you, uh, Colette Coyle. And then yeah. I wish Colette Coyle. Now she got married. She's your got sister? that. <laughs> I know she's got that demon surname now that I also possess. <laughs> but. Uh, I seen her like last year, and I would never see Colette. Anytime I do see Colette, I get on well with her and stuff like that. But we'd like, I would say, see each other once, maybe twice a year, and even that, it's in passing. But I was on Facebook before I went up the town last year, and I seen on Facebook it was her like her birthday, so I wished her happy birthday. But then I seen her up the town, and I was all, "Hi, birthday, Colette, looking good." And then she was like, "How the fuck did he know that?" <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we're not in touch whatsoever. The power of Facebook, Facebook you man. can be an absolute voyeur. Also, one more thing before we do the danger ball thing. Because I know you're trying to get on it there. Yeah. Did you enjoy my party, Michael? I had a great time at your party. Did you enjoy the cocktail sashes? I did not have one. What? Did you enjoy the pizzas? I did not have one. Did you enjoy the birthday cake? I did not have a sandwich. Did you enjoy the garlic bread? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just trying to like big up your spread? Yup, yup. <laughs> there was a hell of a spread. There was, there was, there was always pizzas cooking all night. Yeah. All night. Mozzarella sticks? What? Mozzarella. There was fights in the kitchen over mozzarella sticks. There actually that. was. There I was people like, I know. I was there. off the pan. <laughs> Burning the shit out of your mouth. There was smashed mozzarella sticks. People like, oh, I don't want that one. But then someone else went to go for it. They're all, fuck you. <laughs> but yeah. It's good fun. I had a great time. It was very good party. I was alone. Exceptionally. 
No, not the whole party. Like the whole party was. I know we had a party with each other. You actually did do that once. Yeah, that was a great night. <laughs> <laughs> it was like seventeenth birthday. Eighteenth. The worst thing. No, it was eighteen. It was eighteenth. We went like upstairs Abercorn. It was a great night. Oh, but right. uh, my seventeenth birthday. You said a birthday party without me because I had to work the next day. And the best thing is, just they rubbed salt in the wounds that I couldn't be at my own fucking birthday party. They videotaped it and sent me the videotape they watched. That <laughs> yeah, was great, Craig. Oh. No, it must have been after you were 18 then because I was drinking at it and I wasn't drinking. I don't like no, the no, listener. You've no. been drinking since you were like 13. I, no, I know, but mine, <laughs> mine a couple of years before I was 18, I actually stopped drinking then. Maybe it was my 19th then. Because uh. 19th doesn't matter after your 18th. It's all kind of like downhill until your 21st. And after your 21st, like it's just all the 10s in, the, the decades. After you've uh. had your upstairs Abercorn birthday party, none can compete. <laughs> exactly. That's a fucking rite of passage. What do you think? That's such, such a big buffet. Yeah. Right, Kiva? <laughs> just trying to fucking balance it out. Like, you know what I mean? After you've had the Abercorn, you ain't going back. Like. Danger bottle. Right. Eventually, I... time for Danger bottle. I don't want really to linger on birthdays too much, but the only reason that I brought... <laughs> you obviously do. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say what a danger bottle is first, Sean? Yeah, well, no, it's, it's, it's birthday related. No, but define a danger bottle first. A uh, danger bottle is... Well, in all fairness, I've completely completely broke the rules yet this week, but <laughs> a, a, like a, a danger bottle is usually a random drink that we select from a local supermarket or wherever we can get it that is uh, under £5 or on £5 in value. Uh, it can be like wine, spirits, any sort of beer. And essentially, we just do it because we're all... Uh, just high high functional alcoholics, really. We just need more alcohol. <laughs> a, lot, a lot more. Let's go. Well, the danger ball this week is a very a very kind friend of mine who bought me an extravagant gift on my birthday. Oh fuck, I know what this is. Yeah, <laughs> a very extravagant gift on my birthday. Now, by the way, uh, we're only having a couple of substances now. I'm taking it home. I'm not leaving this here <laughs> because I oh, think... I thought like we're not just drinking this all night. Now. Oh, we can we can drink it, you know, for the entirety of the podcast, and then I'm taking it home. <laughs> but uh, this, this is just how much of the danger ball can you it? drink now. The danger ball this week is Captain Morgan Dark Rum. Ooh. I checked this out. It's like fucking £22 a bottle. So fair play. That really good friend for giving me a gift. Who gave it It was just like Lady Scott's. I barely know her. <laughs> 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 she got me anyway. Like, you know, <laughs> Say thanks. Thanks, Tasha. <laughs> right. So who would want. So technically you're not breaking the rules because you didn't spend any money for this. Oh, that is a good loophole. I mm. like that a lot. I Are we bur- allowed to drink it with mixer? You, you can just drink it straight or you can drink it with mixer if you want. I think I'll go for a mixer. Yeah, we can have it. There's some Pepsi there. Pepsi Max. Well, we'll were, you, were, were you saying just to drink this straight? No, no, it was a fuck. You can drink it with mixer. Look. I know, but like you haven't brought any mixer with these. So what was what were what you planning plan? on? To drink your mixer. Alright. <laughs> 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 As he does everywhere. <laughs> You know what? It just smells good on its own, but here, take this. Kiva, that's for you. You can mix that as much as you want. Thanks. I'm pour this one. It smells very sweet. I don't and know, though. I mean, room. you, like, obviously, Kiva, you work in a bar. I'm just used to kind of seeing the standard sort of golden, honey colored Captain Morgan. What's the difference with a dark one? I think it's just like what kind of sugar it's made out of. Oh. Is it any stronger? Any different strength? Uh, well, it's 40%. What's usual Captain Morgan? That's, it's is it 40. 40 it might be like 30. Between 35 and 40. Mm. So in fairness, it's absolute fucking I think Morgan Spice is 35. Well, now there's no such thing as Morgan Spice. Oh, what? is it just, just Captain Morgan Spice? The Captain. So like mine there used to be Morgan Spice. And then yeah. there was... So I got very Captain confused. Morgan. And we bought that, the dark stuff, me and Nikki. And it was like... It was way too harsh for what we were expecting. I think we all need to have a sip of it raw, at least. Yeah. <laughs> That's bareback it, right? Yeah, just raw. We'll have one tiny sip. I think it's going to be pretty strong, but... yeah. 
Ahoy hoy, as the captain would say. Then our year of my miserable fucking life. You're like a right old wench. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh fuck me. Ah, okay, we're okay. Did you have a number? I'll hair in your tongue. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, that, that is, that is complete. That, like, that's like proper rum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, it's oh, fuck, it's, it's actually right at the back of my throat. I can't even speak properly. I kind of like it. <laughs> but, uh, you know yourselves with a kind of standard Captain Morgan. It's like a kind of sweet, sugary taste, and it's very easy to drink, and sometimes I actually think it's too sweet. That is just rum. Oh, my God. Rum. I'm kind of getting like a licorice taste off it. You getting that? No. No? I'm just getting a very, I just very alcohol yeah. hot yeah. taste. In fairness, the back of my throat's still burning. I think I'll take some of that uh, Pepsi Max mixer. <laughs> I'm not going to try and uh, act the big man anymore. Can I'm just we gonna... please use your Pepsi Max? Please, Michael. Please. Be a nice guy. <laughs> Look, they might the garlic bread. I give you the all right. And you didn't give me a present. And I do this fucking podcast for you, everyone. There's your topaz there. Topaz, oh. topaz, that two pound fifty. <laughs> <laughs> have your shirt downstairs for you as well. It's my favourite shirt as well. You really, you could have me over a barrel there, like you could have had me held a ransom for that shirt because that was my favourite. Aye, and I'm just giving it back to you. Maybe so, deep you know. green one. There's so many possibilities. You can wear it on Christmas and Paddy's Day. It's brilliant. I, I could have been like <laughs> burning it with cigarettes. My two favourite days. <laughs> <laughs> right here, have some Pepsi Max. There, there you go, Shanko. There's your birthday present. Oh, what a fucking cop! I like, walk myself onto this one. Are you serious? He gets away with it again. I don't even think you got me a bottle of Cactus Jack. Fucking did, and then you made me drink the whole of it. Aye, I'm super that, pushed. But, but <laughs> for Gay, let's throw it all listener, Michael. Okay, for but my last birthday, I might already talk about this in the podcast, I'm not sure. But uh, no, I was given, I, I really love board games. I like playing board games. You're so cute. Fun. He actually is so cute. <laughs> I'm not just saying that, they'd be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so some uh, a friend got me uh, shots and ladders instead of snakes and ladders. My so what it was is that your counter is a shot glass. And so, and then on the board, you have just the classic snakes and ladders, but then you also have like forfeit things where it's like take a shot, nominate someone to take a shot, take two shots, and whatever. So, I had a selection of shot based things, and just we played the air a couple of times for my birthday. And Shan had to do, I believe, eight shots in half an hour. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sir. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> and, uh, and he took it. He took it like a tripper. I thought he, it took it like a chump. In all fairness, yeah. Because I mean, because if you if anyone else had, at that gathering would have had eight shots, they would have been on their back. They would have been the most annoying drunk person for the whole night. Shan held it together. I did, and I wasn't annoyed. Is, I was like, very pretty. I just kind of sat there in the days. I think you played guitar at some point. I was just smiling for about six here? hours, not speaking. That was here, right? Yeah. You <laughs> was like... that here? Because I did not play that game. <laughs> oh, no. You you came after the game was put away. Oh, I was invited after the... I know. There's all, let's all have so much fun and then have keep Yeah, let's get Sham really drunk and get keep up so we can fry our heads. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if there's a guitar in the room, I give a fuck who's about to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to I'm the fucking corner with a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good birthday. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was one of those things too where like, I'm just really shit at board games. You know how people see you make your own luck? I'm really bad at making luck. I'm just really fucking awful at them. So it just so happened that every single rule seemed to be landing on me. And after like, <laughs> see after like shot number three, when I was three shots deep, after about two months, I thought, it's not going to be my night. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's definitely like the, the, the fucking board game gods have conspired against me. You're like, that. what are you doing? What? Mickey's just bored. 
literally right have you seen that video on facebook this one like how i'm drinking this weekend and she pours like an entire bottle of hennessy and a glass and then a shot of coke that's literally <laughs> what you've just done yeah <laughs> that's what mickey that that's how you like mickey measures out his mixer sometimes i've I, seen him do it i like i like so the, the taste the alcohol See, I don't. I like to bury it. <laughs> bury it in its deep, dark grave. I really do not like that so taste of alcohol. It's like a surprise when you're drunk. Like, oh, I'm on a surprise. He's like, Shan just thinks it's Pepsi. It gets him fucked. He's like, oh, kind of Pepsi. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Zero test, max blocked. All <laughs> <laughs> right, let me try it with this cola. Oh, yeah. Is that non-brand cola there because we're saying Pepsi too much? Just in case we get attacked off by the Coca-Cola company? So I just don't know if I like the, the The rum breaks out. Well, mine anyway. Well, I'm surprised. <laughs> 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 Have you seen his glass? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's still see-through. Like. <laughs> Rang when I try, I put a fair amount of Pepsi Max on this here, so with the mixer. I would say one part rum, five parts Pepsi. It's, it's still pretty fucking strong. Like. Yeah. It's still pretty strong. Mine's is like half and half. You can see why it's 40% like. Like yeah. a wee bit, when I drank it without the mixer, I didn't really taste it because it was just hot. I, it was just hot, burny. And alcohol. now I can quite like taste it. Like it doesn't taste bad, but it's like strong. Yeah, that must seem, it's uh, yeah, very same as you. It's not like boiling my tongue anymore, but it's still very unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tasha. <laughs> Thanks for spending that twenty-five pound on me. Could have went in the car or anything like. <laughs> it's two and a half balls of glands there. Folks, <laughs> could have a real party. <laughs> Some people are just really inconsiderate. Like, but Kiva, still our mission for this podcast is to drink as much of that Captain Morgan's as possible. Oh, it's oh no, you're, <laughs> you're a big carrying home that empty little bottle. No, I've said that she's come to collect it now. I've told her already. <laughs> I'll tell you the first time I'm at this podcast is going. Is that what you were on your phone before? <laughs> I, I never really see you like, so annoyed. engrossed in your phone. <laughs> right, no, they're going to, Danger Bottle's going to happen in about six minutes. Um, <laughs> Do you want to kick a fucking door down there and grab that bottle? We'll just no, really risk it out of here. You've read a rendezvous with Jill. Jill's ready to like, open the door. <laughs> Suki's on on a two, Mickey's dog. She's part of that plan. <laughs> right. Okay. What have we watched this week, folks? He wants to go first, Kiva, Mickey, me. I'll go first, I don't mind. Um, this week I watched Wuthering Heights Ooh. Um, by Andrea Arnold. Mm-hmm. So isn't that Bush? <laughs> That's <laughs> That song just plays the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> it really sounds exactly like that. <laughs> that, working on that was either track. Wuthering Heights or Bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> Wuthering Pipes. Hey, Bagpipes, you know. <laughs> um, so... I think it was out in 2011, I'm almost sure, and it has, now you know how I suck with people's names, so help yes. me out here, I'm going to say Kaya, Gary from Skins. Scoladario on the... Yeah, oh. and then James, I think it says Housen, I've never seen him in anything before. Housen? Never heard him. And then it's introducing, this is a name, Solomon Glaive. Oh, what a name. Hell of a name. Gravitas Shan- I think. Shannon Beer. Um, Shannon, Shannon Beer? Beer? Beer, yeah. To be fair, my writing's really on neat, so it could be Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Beer, so I'm going to go with that. Shannon Bear. That's um, up there with John so Book. John Book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, Wuthering Heights, based on an Emily Bronte novel, yeah. which is probably one of my favourite of those kind of classic 
like I didn't really grow up reading much classic literature, but you kind of get into it through studying at is school. It, is there zombies in this one? There's no zombies. Uh, um, I don't think it needs zombies. It's pretty <laughs> weird anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really lo- The first time I seen it, I seen it in the cinema in Leeds um, because it's based kind of in the Yorkshire Dales, the Yorkshire Murs. The Murs, that's that's the word I was yeah. thinking of. Um, it's... Uh, space there and i lived in leeds which is in yorkshire so i don't know if it aired in a lot of cinemas because i know it wasn't like a massive massive film it aired in the qft in belfast i think it mostly done the sort of art house around the cinema yeah. circuit obviously i don't think it would have got mainstream release well i seen i went to see it in a view cinema but as i say it was in yorkshire so yeah. unless they that was their how they i don't know what they did, they did that. <laughs> I, I was in barnsley and i don't remember it being in there but barnsley that's damn that's nothing they go on to your <laughs> go on to your barnsley impression again mickey it's barnsley always gets me always <laughs> gets me go on to your leeds impression Kiva. oh i can't at all go on <laughs> i don't really can. hang out with anyone from leeds i know you gotta learn you just say i, I don't even know i want to go to bar that's not bad <laughs> we'll have that that, that leeds <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> That's about the only that's, thing I that's can more Bromley or something. That's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> I said I couldn't do it. <laughs> Repeatedly. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a guy the other night. Was so, Kev was all, oh, she's a singer. And he's all, God, sing. I was all, no. He's all, for about 10 minutes, he was hound to me. I was all, I'm not, what do you want me to sing? We're in a really loud bar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, back to Wuthering Heights. Um, well, I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. And I found it on my DVD shelf today. I didn't even know I had it on DVD. So I watched it again. And I really enjoyed it again. Um, it's like... So it's it's all filmed. Well, what I... From my opinion, it looks like it's all just handheld. It's quite shaky. It's really like intimately filmed. So you're really either like right up in someone's fists or like behind their shoulder. You know, like it's as if you're in the room. You're You're kind of there. It's like an experience, kind of. Do you not find that film? very interesting that because it's like a period set film, which usually just kind of has standard framing and kind of like opulent wide framing and yeah. stuff like that, that they're using more like a kind of documentary aesthetic They make it seem kind of more realistic? I think, I think it really, I think it really, how she, how she, so there's no, there's like no soundtrack. There's like one bit of music where like a band visits their farm, lasts for like 10 seconds, you don't even see them, see anything that you're not like, in the room of the camera with you you only hear it muffled or you don't know what's going on so it's really like it's giving you like little pieces like little like puzzle shots and you're not that it's like a puzzle and kind of but you can just kind of take what you want from it and it reminds me a lot of of the book so there's no soundtrack it's all about like really like gushing wind or just like the elements the weather is almost like a, a main character yeah. Um, the the withering of all the heights. <laughs> the withering of all those heights. Yeah. Well played, Mickey. But, um, Is there a writer on you or somewhere? I was thinking about that for about five minutes. <laughs> I can see why. I can see why. Um, now I went to see it with my friend Erin, and she didn't really like it, and she really loved the book, but she 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 said it was too much like someone's idea of what reading a book is, which I kind of mm. get, but she, it's it, it's not literally just following exactly the story i think she's trying to put across the feeling yep. of of the story more than like tell you their story she wants you to, like it's more like feeling you like feel you feel something feel it. it was feel like it. a mood piece i oh. think so 
I like all these ones you're dropping. I actually wrote loads of things around, but I'm not saying anything. Been reading the dictionary again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it reminds me of loads of the book anyway. It has like some of those motifs that I remember. And I haven't read this book in like 10 years. But um, I remember being like quite haunting. Like it was probably right. It was one of my favorites of the of all the Bronte sisters. Um, she, it was almost like I didn't know what the end was. There ghosts? I didn't know. I, d- I didn't know. It was quite scary. Um, I was quite enthralled when reading the book, and I f- felt that same experience from yeah. watching the film. I've always see with that sort of old Victorian prose and old Victorian novels and stuff like that. Anyway. Especially now, this is just a personal thing with me, but especially when they're set in these old manor houses, these old stately homes and shit, I just find them kind of inherently creepy anyway. Because I find those sort of buildings creepy. You know what I mean? Well, see, I know I agree, but there, there is the the two main set. Well, there's three main settings. Uh, so Kathy is the main character, mm-hmm. Kathy Earnshaw, and then Heathcliff is like a he's been found in the street by their father in like a, a street in Liverpool or something when he was down, and he took him because he was just homeless. Yeah. Um. He's, they're all, they're all white. He's swarthy skinned. They don't know where he's from. Uh, the older brother immediately hates him. He's jealous of him. It, it, I don't know. I, I don't want to give it away, like, <clears throat> the whole story. But basically, there's, like, it's the love story between Kathy and Heathcliff. Yeah. But it's, like, totally not a traditional love story. Like, but anyway, they love in this wee farm. Like, um, and it's quite... It's quite, I don't know, they don't seem to be super well off or anything. Obviously, they have a farm, so they're not getting a tight, but they're li- <laughs> like, they're always Those like, rich farmers. They're always like, and amongst the, like, it's always mucky and dirty, and they're always outside, even if it's rain or snow or whatever. So there's their wee farm, it's one set. The whole Yorkshire Moors is another set, and then her other kind of perspective suitor's house is a big manor, but. You're only really on that at the end. That's not. Um, do they do a good job of keeping those two worlds separate? Like, I mean, do you notice like a sort of different style between the sort of mucky, downtrodden farmhouse that they're from, and then this sort of big manor? Is there a sort well, of build up to get into the manor? No, not well. No, because the the first time you're introduced to it, that them two has well half the film they're young, and then they like years pass, and the the, no. the second half continues. Um, but the first time they go to this manor, it's like late at night and they're up just like stalking, looking on the windows of people. <laughs> Checking on wonders. Yeah. Look um, at their colour. Uh, but that's kind of like... Mind checking about wonders when you're away. <laughs> no, i never done that. <laughs> <laughs> but re- like as I said, you know about the way it's shot? You, me, I find it's it's kind of, it's really Heathcliff's story that you're, you're, you're basically with him the whole time. You're, you're, you're almost always just over his shoulder. Mm. So no matter kind of where you are, you are really seeing it Through as he eyes. would see it. So like he's like your point of view character, really? Yeah. I like it. I think so. Well, I, you were going on, oh, it, like it's not a traditional love story though. Like, do you kind of get people and it? Do you not kind of need to tell them that Heathcliff ends up being a werewolf? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's not that big of a spoiler. I mean, pretty much everybody knows that then, really. Well, I I didn't know that, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. Well, like I there's definitely like no. I'm wrong in saying it's not. A, I don't I don't think I'm wrong. It's just it's there's definitely with 
that traditional kind of romance you know there's no courtship they're they're immediately living together mm -hmm. they're almost like brother and sister um but he's like wants the i'm gonna spoil shit just spoil it. No, don't spoil it if she doesn't. Because it's very. It is. I would. I would recommend watching it because it is. It's a very good piece. I think Andrea Arnold makes sweet films. Yeah. Um. But I don't want to give away. Like I don't know if everyone's even read the book to give away these plot points. I but, haven't. So. Um. A certain turn of events means that Heathcliff is basically their slave. Um, Shit. So it's it's awkward in a sense anyway. So she's still wanting to run and hang about with him all the time. But he's not like he's supposed to be working. Yeah. So he's he's she's basically getting beat up all the time. But he doesn't get. He just wants to run about with her. <laughs> and uh, you definitely sent like they're because you're you're watching their whole kind of life, or you're you're you know, and really they don't really do that much except like lie about in the muck and stuff. Um, <laughs> but you definitely you get a sense of their. I want somebody to lie in the muck with. They're like they're cra they're they're crazily drawn to each other. Like it's it's almost that kind of. They seem to feel things. There's barely, barely that much dialogue, um, but they seem to. It's all about like getting up, like and you can feel them like oh, breathing enough. They're not doing anything; they're just breathing, um, and it, it's almost like they're feeling it so like passionately that it's driving them insane. They're, it's just, and the way the the weather's always quite crazy. Like uh, it seems to kind of reflect their relationship their passionate romance um that it's it's full of unpredictable whirling unpredictable emotions and it, it's yeah and they're kind of they're so in touch with the they're so in touch with like wilderness obviously they're like living on a farm literally their house and it's nothing else that they all they almost become kind of wild yeah and then whenever they go whenever the story gets to when you're introduced to the manor and that that the kind that kind of more refinement of human society, that that it it kind of points out how how they those two are kind of almost perfect for each other because they just bring out that madness in each other. Yeah, that no one else really gets. I like they can only bring out a certain side of each other that nobody else can kind of unlock on them. Yeah, which is kind of usually the way if you are kind of really mental about someone. Or so it's, it's definitely it's definitely a love <laughs> story, but it is just it's just I think yeah, it's wildness has seeped in from the world into them. I like that too. I mean that's it's obviously not a conventional love story because it is sort of like this sort of wild, feral sort of love that you're talking about. You know yeah. what I mean? Passion. Passion. Oh, um, I like it. Like just even <laughs> just even hearing about this sort of mad rough as fuck, it's just picture their sorry i don't want to like there's no there's there isn't really any of that there's no no i assume not like but i mean i'm just saying pictured <laughs> i mean <laughs> shan got his director's cut <laughs> warren heights after dark <laughs> but um no it's it's i i i would watch it again i'm probably gonna watch it next week again um just because it's just so interesting i didn't even notice that there was no soundtrack until the end when they played a song at the credits i thought what Music? What uh, is this? What's this thing? It's just, uh, it's just very true to, like, it is literally like you could just be invisible and following them around. I'll like, see what, I, what you feel like. As Andrea Arnold, how tempted must she have been to have whacked on Kate Bush Warren Heights just at the end, even after the <laughs> slow, meditative sort of mood piece. I can't remember what even song is at the end, but it was very good. Snooker Loopy. I must look it up. <laughs> 
Chaz and David. They it was definitely class. a familiar voice. It was a male voice. It's definitely like, it's like a contemporary song. Like Michael Bublé or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. But Michael anyway, um, I don't know if I had anything else to say. But it was very good. Awesome. Yeah, like Boom. Uh, this week, and by this week, I mean maybe like half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Clue. Ah, we. I've, I've been. That's on my watch list on Netflix. This with like Tim Curry and stuff. Yeah, Tim Curry. Ooh, Tim Curry. Fucking so many people that you know that I don't know the name. Yeah, <laughs> your guy from Spinal Taps in it. He's in Better Call Saul now. I'm Michael McKean. I him. Yep. Uh the vice principal from Sabrina Teenage Witch is in it. Martin Mull. Yeah. <laughs> what? Good what? Did you know that? That was amazing. Yep. Um, let's see if I can give you another one. Tease me, Michael. Tease me. There's a woman that looks like a young Susan Sarandon in it. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't I, I, I've seen her before because I thought it was Susan Sarandon. Hey, Because I thought it was Susan Sarandon, but then yeah, it turns she... out it isn't. I know. She is. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I, need, I need a rolling one. <laughs> she plays. She's uh, She plays Miss Scarlet in Clue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I fail. I can't, I can't do the hat. Does she play Miss. Is it like Cluedo? Hey, no, that's the thing. Because in America, it's called Clue. But I uh, here it's called Cluedo. So I don't know. Just, is it it's called? Just Cluedo why, do, the movie? why do we get Cluedo? Cluedo's a I don't know. Like, is it because they're off? You're stupid, Cluedo. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Clue Cluedo. Just what? everybody pronounces it wrong. Uh, <laughs> <you know>? Cluedo. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants this game of Cluedo? I don't know. There must have been some fucking copyright thing because I don't see why you would change it from Clue to Cluedo. But it's still be Cluedo wasn't even Cluedo wasn't even a word. Oh, that's because you've been reading the dictionary recently, Mike. Are you exactly. Even <laughs> I looked this up. <laughs> <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> it's Cluedo word. Is this how you spend your shoes, Stephen? Oh, Michael. It is now. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be far worse. I would love to play Cluedo. <laughs> I, I can't say that. <laughs> Let's play some Cluedo. Oh, uh, it's all changed now, man. Have you what? tried to play it recently? Who's on it now? I tried. Oh, uh, no. I think it's the same people, but the Is actual all rules like, have all uh, changed. They killed her with a DVD player in the cinema room. <laughs> 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 or, like, not, or even that, that, like, because we live in a very cruel, harsh, cynical like world, the crimes have gotten very violent. Miss <laughs> 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 Gallant's been raped and murdered. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we found her on two bits. <laughs> it's like, it's not just like shop, she's been. Shop it was dog bones. Uh, she bit over the head by a candlestick anymore, like. Shot in the drive by, I'd say. Crash! I call through the head. Just <laughs> anyway, continue. No, but the actual the actual game has all changed because I tried to play it a couple of years ago. I found I found a Cluedo game in uni one time, and I was like, "Let's play this." <laughs> and it, all the game mechanics has changed. It's not just actually having the people moving about the board and do the different rooms and all. No, it's just I don't I didn't I couldn't even comprehend how to play it. What? It's all different. There's like there's like a win. You're the board game master. I know. I I didn't did, really didn't want to invest any time in to learn the rules because it wasn't classic Cluedo. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, you a board game purist. You no, I'm not. First it's just met. no. It's just because I just it was supposed to be a week quick thing because we were just trying to kill like ten minutes in Unity or whatever. Just say, oh, we. You're quick, never gonna get a week quick ten minutes. <laughs> Just, uh, just we quick game of Cluedo, but then I don't want to have to sit and work out all the rules. We quickie, quickie you know, like The nicest right, quickie board, I think, like the most visually interesting of board. You know, because yeah. like it, you could almost like use it as a toy. Yeah. You know, like it's like, like now a, it's we're like going to the billiard room, the <laughs> and it was all really nicely painted. And all. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> now we're going Clue. to the billiard room. Let's <laughs> go find our corpse. <laughs> <laughs> It's a human head! <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the actual film, Clue, 
it's it's actually really clever the way they do it, but it's they set it all up to be like the game, obviously. Is it like one of those dinner dance murder Aye, things? It, it, pretty, it pretty much is. Like all the, all the six characters, like Colonel Mustard and Professor Plumminal, they're all invited to a mysterious dinner at this big mansion. They fucked. And uh, that, that, like Colonel Mustard and all, that's not actually their names. It's an alias because they're brought there for mysterious reasons and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. So I don't want to give away the whole thing because it's actually interesting how it all plays out. But they're, they're all just brought there by a mysterious person who's called Mr. Body. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, I mean, from looking at it, the reason that I want to watch it, obviously, it's doing this on purpose. It seems like it's wearing its heart on its sleeve. It's, it's oh, not it's, taking itself it's, seriously. It's a, it's, a, it's a goddamn farce, Shanko. It's a goddamn farce. It's a goddamn farce. <laughs> These fucking amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's it's farce. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's actually really funny. Like, there's some really great kind of wee quippy bits just like way back and forths and stuff and the way they actually set it up to recreate the game basically it's it's actually really smart like there's genuinely a line in it where the boy says we just need to know where he died and with what and who killed him and it's like <laughs> yes that's the game <laughs> it's just it's just funny how they work it all in and how they actually make it a fun film because like the whole half hour is actually just the whole last half hour is like recapping the past hour of film <laughs> like yeah. literally like because no way they'd say oh so this is how how we did it and it would chewy like clips they're actually running back and forth from different rooms saying oh, okay and then we were here yes. and then we were here <laughs> i really have to I, watch no, this I'm, it's, I'm it's, it's, it's genuinely really funny and a thing i heard about it as well because i said before we started the podcast i actually missed the last 10 minutes of this film because so you don't know who no wait i missed the last 10 minutes of the film because Kiva arrived at the door. I'm not going to sit and watch the rest Fuck of the film. Fuck's like Well, you told me eight and it was five past eight. I know. I'm not, I'm not blaming <laughs> but I But I already know what the last 10 minutes is because I had already gotten to the end of the film. But then it says, oh, but this could have happened. And then it, it I think the way it ends up is anybody could have been the killer. And they ah. tell you how anybody could have been the killer. But when this was actually shown in cinemas... It was a different ending in different cinemas. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I like that. So then, like, so, no, but, like that, that would have really fucked with people. I know. It's, it's, like, the, like, it's like, like, no, fucking he did it. It's like, the no, man, she did it. The Mandela <laughs> effect. Did I tell you about that? No. Wow. The Mandela effect. It's like, I know Nikki was telling me I didn't. I, she was just telling me I haven't read anything. But apparently it's like collective mis- misremembering of stuff. So that would, that would kind of fuel that kind of. Mm. I like it. Why is he named after Mandela? I don't know. I think people... He's just very forgetful. I think people talking <laughs> about, dead. like, um, he died recently, but a lot of people assumed he was already dead or something. Really? So then oh, okay. that was a collective misremembering. In all fairness, there's lots of people like that, though, who or assume maybe because, dead. like... I thought Charlotte Church was dead, and she brought out a single, and I was all, oh, and they were all, it's shite, and I was all, oh, but she's dead, and they were all, she's not. <laughs> Charlotte Church? She's only, like, fucking 31. No, no, but this happened, like, years. Mine, she was all choir, and then she went all, like... And Poppy. Yeah. yeah. It was when she went all pot and I thought, oh, God, I remixed one of your... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one, like, where in the video she has, like, her raps out and all? Oh, well, yeah, I didn't see the video. <laughs> and then I found out she was alive. <laughs> and she's got titties. <laughs> <laughs> she's gone. 
<laughs> Big old dead titties. <laughs> that would have been really bad if that was her last video. And they're like trying to do like tribute right. theater, just tits flying about. <laughs> she didn't get them out, like, but they were basically out. Yeah, her well. oobs were out, to coin a phrase. From what are oobs again? Is that, is that side it's, boob? It's enti- No, it's more than side boob, but less than whole boob. Ah, so, uh, so it's like when it's kind of like essentially just not seen, no, yeah. not nubble. Yeah, okay. Uh, essentially not seen. It's nubble. definitely called oob and not boo, because no yeah. one ever be all boo. <laughs> Check out your boos. Okay. it's inspired by Amy Adams and Batman v Superman. Oh, I the bath scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mikey, I was sitting beside you. We're gonna be about bored or not? I, I kind of wanted the bath to break. <laughs> Like I want, like Superman to like rip the bath apart. I thought that would be really funny. <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. No, because no, because then I am really enough for the humor. No, because <laughs> if you think about it, they like they would be constantly like going through baths. <laughs> it's like fucking hell, Clark. I just got a new one. He said, "Maybe he can like just fucking fly really quickly around the world, and go back in time, and then have sex again, and then have sex again." <laughs> what a bastard! He's got it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> it's an open and shut case. Um. Yeah, no, so Clue, it's it's uh, it's really funny. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's in it as well, fuck, I forgot about that. Yep. He's Professor Plum. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it's just, uh, it is just fucking like, kind of caper, mystery, crime kind of thing. It's really silly, but there's some great, there's some great dialogue and all in there, and it's just fun, and you should watch it because it's hilarious. Bang! Also, uh, you've obviously been reading the dictionary, but it seems like you're trying to again pronounce your words. Did you just say Professor Plume? Professor Plume. Yeah. <laughs> He's also trying to trick us into thinking it's called Clue Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you think? <laughs> this week, I rewatched Predator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. It's, uh, do you know what? The reason I really watched it, because, again... You just, you it's just wanted that hot Dutch accent. Just wanted that hot Dutch angle, you know what <laughs> I mean? But uh, it's because it's just also been recently added to Netflix. Mm. We were complaining for a long time that Netflix hadn't added some good old classics or just, like, new content in general. And yeah. then they went on a fucking rampage at the end I of last week. I knew they were listening. Yes, <laughs> I knew they were. I knew it. Hey, Netflix. But, like, because they added, like, uh, Die Hard and Looper and Predator and yeah. fucking, like... Uh, Absolutely they added, anything. Absolutely anything. Well, <laughs> no, no, but that that is genuinely a film I want to watch, but I don't want to pay money for it, so yeah. that's a perfect Netflix. They had, like, a couple of classics. They had it in the heat of the night, and there's a few other ones on there I can't quite remember, but they had a Predator, and I realized, fuck, you know what? I haven't seen that in about 12 years. I'm going to watch it again, because I was just kind of in the mood. It was the day after my birthday. No, it was my actual birthday. But the day after the party, yeah. so I was really fucked and just wanted something stupid that I didn't really have to focus on that much. And, and so after that, you watch Predator. After you got done with Amnesty, you watch Predator. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after I got rid of three colors trilogy, <laughs> I mean, got stuck on the Predator. But uh, now you know what? Those were says in the it is, it's just a big fun, dumb as fuck film. You know what I mean? Do you know what I've never really got though? See at the start of Predator. You know the way, like, and this is something I actually like about Predator because you don't see it that much anymore. I forgot the Predator, the Beast, is barely on Predator. Yeah. Because he doesn't really show up until, but I mean, not even the fact that. Oh, that oh, he's invisible? I know, not even the fact, oh, he's invisible or oh, they're just kind of hunting at him for a long time. He doesn't actually even fucking show up until like halfway through the film because yeah. the first half of Predator is this sort of subplot which just kind of gives John McTiernan, the director, an excuse. They have fucking. Arnie and his crew just blow up shit in the jungle and look really fucking hard. You know what I mean? Because there's that whole subplot about them 
freeing like some CAA operatives, but they've been double crossed. And like that whole even watching it the night, I never understood that subplot. Again, when I watched it there the night, I still don't understand it. I think like it's just written in there as some sort of shady deal, but it is just honestly there is a vehicle for Arnie and his fucking to boys to go mad. Right I, <laughs> I do like it though because there's a nice contrast when you see Arnie and all his fucking boys being all cocksure and just blowing shit up. And from going from that until about 20, 30 minutes later, where they're all shitting themselves, and like obviously the hunters become the hunted. I think that's pretty cool. The only thing is, though, is that the graphics on the Predator, they've did it horribly. I mean, at. But, no, but he's, he's supposed to have a distinctive shimmer. What? When he's invisible? What'd you say? A distinctive shimmer. A shimmer? No, I don't mean actually. <laughs> see, when he's kind of like. Invisible. When he's kind of invisible, that looks okay. But I mean, like, see all the graphics when it kind of takes it from the Predator's point of view. All oh, right. <laughs> I mean, like, it's fucking, it's it's actually Sega Mega-esque, like, you know what I mean? It's really fucking bad. But apparently at the time, that was, like, cutting age and shit. But, um, no, it doesn't look the best. Do you know one thing? It's still really creepy and always gets me. Like, we've all seen Predator. I can probably spoil Predator. The, the Predator dies. Obviously, everybody knows the fucking... Awa! Awa! <laughs> everybody knows the line. Get to the Japa, you know what I mean? Because they're trying to get the fuck out of the jungle. Oh. But... Yeah, you're breaking so many s- secrets for me, Shango. Do you know what's really underwhelming, right? It's just, like, how it ends. It's like he's been chasing Arnie through the fucking jungle and shit like that there and trying to, like, beat on him. And then all of a sudden, he gets a sense of honour because he realises that Arnie's kind of beat. He wants to kind of make it a bit of a challenge. So, like, he drops his weapons and takes off, like, his fist yard and all that crack and tells Arnie to come at him. And then Arnie just drops a big fucking log on him and that's it. You know what I mean? It's just over, and it's like, come on, he's a fucking predator. No, but it's it. No, it's the predator playing with his food, like, you know. No, no, I don't mind that. No, I, I, I love the fact. That actually, one of the things I like about predators, they try and give them this sort of weird, twisted sense of honor. Like he doesn't want to kill someone when they're on the ground or when they're weaponless. Yeah. He wants to actually make it like a challenge, or he overcome. wants to kind of bit them in combat yeah. and overcome them. Because he is a predator. Because he is a predator, exactly. What I don't like is just how the predator dies. It's just really underwhelming. He literally just takes one step, and then this log drops them, and it's one of those per- it's one of those scenes where you see something happen, and it's like, oh, you know for a fact he's not dead. He's just going to lie there and pop up, and I fair enough, he's not dead. He sits up after getting fucked up with this log, and then just blows himself up. But he has that <laughs> big creepy laugh. Oh, that is <laughs> That's still effective. Like, that laugh is so... <laughs> oh, it's so weird. <laughs> it's actually sort of... I was reading a thing about it recently. It's uncanny valley territory. Because it's not like a human's voice. It's like, he's obviously trying to imitate humans, so he's heard laughing in the jungle and stuff. Like, Aye. some Arnie's crew. But it's slightly off. Aye. And it just makes it Could really be, fucking but creepy. But you don't expect that noise to come out of an alien, either. Yeah, exactly. Uh... A fun just side topic on this. Uh, recently, I've been playing a game on PlayStation Four called Broforce. Broforce. Yeah, where it's it's just a kind of it's a really fun two D shooter basically. But all the characters you play in is basically eighties action heroes. So there's but they all have Bro put in their name. So it's like Ram Bro or Brominator. Isn't that Brobo Cop as well? You have Brobo Cop. <laughs> <laughs> you have Snake Plisk, bro. They're really, really funny. They're really yeah, funny. Really clucks on straws there towards But uh, there's also Brodator. Oh, which yes. Is predator. But the best thing about the Predator is uh, when you die in the game, normally when you die, you just fucking get a lot of life for When you die in the air, it waits a second and he it blows up. Oh, <laughs> yes. So it's a nice way. Like each character has their own wee thing that they do. Like it's fun. They've always had a lot of research on that. Is that on network or did you have to buy the disc? I know, yeah, it's on the PSN. It was it was the last month's free PS Plus game. You're oh, not on PS Plus, so. Oh, yeah. No, oh, you, yeah? you have to be? Oh, they play online, yeah. yeah. I know, it was last month's free game. You could have got free. 
Fuck Shrek, mate. Thanks Master Shrek. <laughs> well, actually, you might still be able to get it. Well, why should have a why should check? In fact, I'll just finish up on Predator. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> We're just having. I know you're just fucking over. two gamers having a wet dream over there. Like, <laughs> but uh, another thing about Predator I really like is that it's just they don't make films like that anymore. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, like films like well, that, I mean, like obviously until the Expendables, but then the Expendables is kind of like no. I'm, I was going to say Shane Black is directing a new Predator film, <laughs> which does sound very interesting. And he's done the first one. Yeah, he is. He plays like. Harrick or something he's, he, but he's the first one today anyway um, <laughs> so you can't forget about him but uh, I actually the one a few years back too where the, it was, I, I can't really remember it was like a reimagination but Predators with Adrian Brody it wasn't that bad that was Robert Rodriguez wasn't it I think I can't really remember I remember I watching it was really drunk one night but I remember thinking it wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be what I heard about that though because I mind in the trailer yeah, there's there's a shot of Adrian Brody standing like and he's like in a forest like surrounded by trees and then you see the three red three three red dots yeah. come up on him then another set then another set and then about fifty come up and then a natural film is like three. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, just I four films like that they don't make them anymore. I mean obviously you can say oh well the Expendables but the thing is about the Expendables the Expendables is like a sort of a nod and a wink at, at films like that. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of taking all the sort of kitschy naff elements and trying just like pumping them up to 11 but like obviously the Predator was done to be completely serious and I okay it is supposed to kind of in some ways it's in many ways like an allegory of, of Vietnam I mean like there's been so many fucking essays wrote about how Predator is actually an allegory of Vietnam there's also a lot of stuff in there too about how Predator actually doesn't take itself as seriously as what it states it does because there's a scene in there that's so fucking over the top where it's literally just Arnie and his fucking boys shooting these really high power rifles for it feels like about four or five minutes <laughs> and they're just shooting it they're just shooting it nothing like there's shooting under the trees trying to wipe out the predator no actually no they're trying to wipe out that gorilla force in the jungle and even watching it back then you would have thought right this is about fucking much we, we get it like we get that is these boys like can family guy style just keeps going yeah it just it keeps going but then there's all these like close ups of their fucking like muscles and shit like that there but obviously oh, yeah there's loads of that shit yeah. I mean even when fucking they like hold hands at the, at the very, very start, start. With, uh, him and Carl Willis just their muscles are going to burst out of their skin <laughs> There's so, like, uh, you, like you think before they shot that they were like pumping away to yeah, get I the fucking oh, yeah. veins going just get maximum pump going <laughs> on there but I love to pump <laughs> you know, did you ever see that clip I think it might get have to been the <laughs> no, but he has that documentary like pumping iron or something and I think, it, I think it might have been from that but I've seen a clip of him one time Saying like, "Oh, I love working out. It's like orgasm." And all this here, sure, isn't that? That's not the one where he, he fucking smokes a zoot too, isn't it? He's not oh, stoned off his fucking brains. Probably. That's before he was famous, like. But uh, I, I know, think that's why it's kind of infamous now. But uh, aye, there's actually like a lot of things in there that kind of suggest John McTiernan, who's obviously a fucking smart director, and he's not just kind of one of these bozo directors who would have just put out this piece of like overly macho kind of action in the eighties. I think he's definitely commenting on that too. I think he's trying to kind of, in many ways, to like kind of ramp up, like sort of the homoeroticism of it. You know, these big muscular men with yeah. guns and stuff. He's trying to make up a joke it, so it's not as like anything you think of probably think, oh, just this action film from the eighties that has kind of got all the tropes that are usually associated with this sort of. I do. They not kind of hold their big guns, kind of just around the mid area as well. Ah, so they look like <laughs> big old woolies, but. Uh, <laughs> Even yeah, at the, just let me shoot this guy with my cock. <laughs> <laughs> I, the phallic symbolism is incredible in that film. Like. But even as well, it kind of it subverts that whole macho 80s mentality to 
towards the end and, and, and like I was saying because it's this allegory of Vietnam but it just shows that like violence isn't always the answer because you see Arnie's commando crew and they think that they can take on anybody and then like I was saying before they reduce the like snuvelling afraid boys when the, when the predator shows up even I mean like, obviously they still play kind of straight with Arnie he still kind of keeps it cool and stuff like that but yeah. the rest of them start losing their shit but even Arnie in some scenes looks afraid and like in the final scenes when you see that Arnie's fucking defeated the Predator and he's in the helicopter on the way home it's like a famous final shot now where it's not this triumphant of oh, but the Predator he's just lying in the back of the helicopter looking devastated because all his muckers are dead and it's actually yeah. a really downbeat ending, like you know what I mean so in many ways it was surprising to go back and watch Predator and realise that it's not your typical slice of 80s action it's got a bit more depth than I think it's usually given credit for but it's still so fun and as well it's got some of the best lines of all time like I ain't got time to bleed <laughs> and then he instantly starts bleeding <laughs> <laughs> you gonna watch Predator 2 next week? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not <laughs> Alien vs Predator? Alien vs Predator Requiem? they're getting worse <laughs> Predators <laughs> I, l- I love that how they were all like oh let's do like a proper sequel to Predator and call it Predators because it worked for Alien because <laughs> <laughs> J- James is there is it just a rumor, or is it fact that James Cameron like designed the Predator or something? It was I. Jeez, I read something about this already. I think he put a, inadvertently put a lot of the groundwork and the a lot of the special effects that they used for the Predator in the film. Oh, I right. can't remember what it was for. It might have been for the Abyss because that's got a similar sort of thing. You ever seen the Abyss? I've seen the very end of it where he's breathing the liquid. Yeah. I, uh, well, I was after, uh, there's a similar sort. <laughs> That's of the only bit I remember from the episode. N- nicely done. And all fairness, it's not the best of fun. I think it's actually. It's it's got I a lot of. I kind of want to go back to and revisit because I've heard it's kind of like an underrated one. It is underrated, and I for years I think it's because it's promotional material and stuff like that. It always reminded me of the thing. I always kind of got it mixed up with the thing when I was growing up, but it's not a horror whatsoever. It's actually a sci-fi, but I wouldn't even say it's lighthearted. It's not about scares. It's about like discovery. I you know what I mean and it's, it's about discovering that. like in the film the other life in the abyss the other life force that they meet isn't really threatening in any way it's just more about like the act of discovery and seeing new worlds and it's it's kind of interesting taking that spin it. I think it's funny that Ed Harris is in that film and he doesn't like water <laughs> does he know that? I love Ed Harris I did not know that no, because, solid like, Ed Harris uh, fact Mickey him, I like it him and James Cameron like had a big falling out on that film because <laughs> James Cameron wanted him to stay underwater basically and Ed Harris oh, I don't like water <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't say it like that like, but you know they had words so Ed Harris must be a very smelly man then. do you want to wee James Cameron fact as well boom happy well now, now I'm in my full ginger spice give me what I um no, James Cameron is one of two men that has been down the Marianas Trench. Oh, there we are. I like it. I, I don't know what the Marianas Trench is, but it it's, sounds important. It's the... <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> I thought I expected that to have more fucking impact than that, but uh, <laughs> no, it's the lowest place you can go to in, on Earth. Like, oh, it's down the bottom of the sea. That was that documentary, though. What would you call it again? Marianas Trench. <laughs> it's not even... he done a documentary about their sort of... Because he's mad about deep sea diving I and know. stuff like that. That's why he's one of two people has done. <laughs> Obviously, so fair play to him. But that's that's mental. You think it would be like scientists and all going down there, and it's fucking James Cameron. Yeah, James Cameron. <laughs> Oscar winner James Cameron, <laughs> <laughs> the billion dollar man James Cameron. Apparently, most of the Avatar sequels though they're going to go underwater. Ugh. He loves underwater. Loves underwater. I just I 
just really don't like Avatar. I, just, I don't know. I just don't like it. I think the first Avatar, it's just, it's a solid film. Okay, it's, 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 it's enjoyable yeah. to watch and stuff like that, but I'm just not interested in that Stephen world Stephen Lang's good on it. It's, like, it's very good. visually pleasing also. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. It looks amazing and stuff like Stephen that. Stephen Lang's just, back for the sequels. It's got your standard Cameron things. He's got a ton of for dialogue sometimes. Not sometimes, a lot of times. And it's just, it's the same story over and over again. Like, you know what I mean? But anyway, just, let's not talk about Avatar. Just that, that good dialogue just feels on a pain him. Hey, who, <laughs> who am I? Like, who am I to question? Who am I to question James Cameron? The creator of two billion dollar gruesome films. The two highest gruesome films of all time. No. And Terminator. And Terminator. <laughs> and, and True and Lies. And True Lies. And the bus. I can say fuck all. What else has he done? Is that them all? He's actually not done that. He's only done about seven or eight films. But it's just and obviously well, we says Titanic. All right, Terminator One Two. Yes. Three dies. Yep. The Abyss. Yep. Titanic. Yep. Avatar. Yep. That's six. Is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, well, I'll get on this for us now. I'll get on this. Because me, me and Chan are bad at listing games because a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out that Tom Hanks has worked with Steven Spielberg the same amount as Harrison Ford has. Because <laughs> Harrison Ford has done four Indiana Jones films with Steven Spielberg. And then we were trying to name Tom Hanks's four with Spielberg. And we got Catch If You Can. Yep. We got The Terminal. Yep. We got Bridge of Spies. Yep. Or, oh, what the fuck is the fourth one? <laughs> we were set, sat for about five minutes. I was like, oh, fucking hell, I need to look this up now. Do you know what it is, Kevin? No. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> the most <laughs> obvious <laughs> fucking one. <laughs> oh, shit, we forgot Aliens. Aliens? Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the money. What, there are two seconds? See, uh, once again, we might uh, know, like, one probably one of the most famous I ones. thought you were going to put me on the spot there with that one. I was just thinking, all that was going through my head was Forrest Gump. So, <laughs> shit. That's, that's Bob Semeckis. <laughs> right, just going for actual films. Yeah, in all fairness, yeah, he hasn't done that many actual films. That, that's it. Oh, no, well, what there? He did, his first <laughs> his first ever film was, <laughs> I think it was for Roger Corman as well when he was getting a start. Just before Terminator in 1981, James Cameron did... Prana Part 2, The Spawning. Ah, there, <laughs> there go. we go. Which has a... Is that water again? Water again. It's water again. Which has water. a very solid 3.5 out of 10 oh on IMDb. <laughs> very good. I've uh, definitely seen a... I've definitely seen a Piranha film. Like on Channel 5 when I was about 10. We well, just I went for the porno after. Nah, <laughs> well, I thought that was the porno when I was fucking <laughs> terrified. <laughs> they see Mega Women, but then all of a sudden they were getting fucking amped by these rabbit fish. Tits bit off. I was like, I have to hold them into that. Turns out it's Japanese porn. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I, I don't watch porn. porn. <laughs> so I'm told. I don't <laughs> Am I even saying it right? Porn? <laughs> prawn? Pur- I said, I'm saying it. Did you say prawn? Prawn? <laughs> prawn porn. Or as Mikey would say probably recently, porn. <laughs> what do you mean porn? <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, and we'll go into... Topics. Uh, my topic this week was I was just you know just sitting around thinking of things, doing my thing, you know, <laughs> pondering, Pond- pondering <laughs> as one likes to pond. Just thinking about doing some things. Just thinking and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was just thinking because I I re- remembered something from a film and then I realized like. Oh, I always kind of think of that every so often. Like, that actual wee line from a film has kind of stuck with me. And I just thought, like, oh, I wonder if any other people has those kind of things. <laughs> so, so basically, like, a, a wee line or something that's happened in the film that's kind of affected your life in some way? Well, you see, I I have two examples. So I'll give my, my examples, and then you can ruminate on cool. The first one is I've brought up for it's Garden State. Yeah. But the Garden State isn't a line or anything. It actually just broke me emotionally. <laughs> that just... I don't re- what, around the time when I seen Garcia, I was like 15, 16 or whatever. And you think like he's a big delicate flower now? He <laughs> was a small delicate flower back then. <laughs> no, but you see, I, I wasn't. I was I was a cold, heartless flower. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't really remember like crying at phones or anything around that time. And then when I seen Garcia, it wasn't even the first time I seen it. It was the second time I seen it, and I was watching it with Jill because I I just watched it on my own before. And then a second I liked it, and I was like, oh, Jill, watch this. So I was watching with Jill the second time, and then just at the very end of the film, I just burst out in tears, crying, and started hugging Jill and telling her how much I loved her. Mm. But, <laughs> but since then, it was I... was actually me. I, <laughs> <laughs> this is the Redux version. But since then, I always just well up and get emotional at films, even if it's the most basic kind of thing of building up emotion in, <laughs> in a film. Like, if, even if it's just fucking somebody nearly tear it up or whatever it's like I've, i feel the the well i don't always cry but i feel the well and up of emotion feel it it's that feeling behind the eyes yeah and behind the throat I just, <laughs> yeah you need you kind of swallow it down uh, <laughs> You're like all vomit. healthy people do <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stuff the, your emotions down okay suppress them but uh yeah so that that's one that it's changed me kind of physically that i just Change you physically? <laughs> oh, physically, right? Okay. When did you think of me? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about there, to be honest. Yeah, but it's not, it, it broke me emotionally, basically. Like, uh, I do think that's the defining line of me crying and not crying, kind of thing. Uh-huh. But another one that's kind of more on point of what I was thinking about with the topic is in Human Traffic, the John Sim film. Yes. Where it's uh, it's just a group of friends. They're they're clubbers, part of the club rave scene. Party people, innit? Party people. Up Manchester and all that, isn't it? Taking eight <laughs> tabs, taking whiz. Yeah. Taking flake. E's are good. What'd you call E's are good. E's are good. Ebony's are good. By the Ebony's are good, yeah. Yeah, by Ebony. By somebody. <laughs> a a scam or something. Continue, I'll get that. Because, oh, you know, if we were leaving your work like two weeks ago and I was all, fuck, I absolutely love they that song. I always play it in our work. I'll get it for you. Everyone in our work thinks E's are good. <laughs> <laughs> you included. They are. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the film is just about a bunch of kind of 
friends they're, they go to clubs and stuff to take ease but towards the end of the film then John Sims character I think it's just in a voiceover he says like I, I was saying <laughs> I was saying the ramen which is obviously not it <laughs> it's the shaman the shaman <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear about it? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but towards the end of the film, he, I think it's in a voiceover, but he has this line of when the when the calm down lasts longer than the night before, it's time to stop. Yeah. And obviously, in the context of the film, he's literally talking about the calm down of the drugs mm. and if, if, if that's worse than being on the drugs and stuff. Because you built up a tolerance, you need that, that tolerance to go down and then to start taking drugs again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that, no, I, I kind of always just thought of that line and it just kind of always stuck with me. Like, you know, it's just applicable to life that if, if you're kind of unhappy with something or if you're doing stuff that you had happiness and now it's kind of waning towards unhappiness or you're bored of it, like maybe you need to make a change. Yeah. And that's, that's always the way I've taken that. And I just think it's a nice wee kind of little line that has it's, it's definitely a cracking life lesson I think as well I just really like this topic in general when you kind of sent me last night because it's something that I definitely believe in I mean like a lot of people say oh I heard this song and it changed my life or I heard this song and it made me do things or look at things differently and you don't really hear that about film but I think a film has just as much power as oh yeah music they do so it's just but the, you never really hear of it the original title for begin again was kind of song save your life oh there you go because the way that film's structured it's all about her playing that one song in the bar at the beginning yeah and true enough and it's when mark ruffalo sorry it's when mark ruffalo's about they fucking kind of just pack it along yeah. lose his shit oh okay fair enough but i mean it, it, just, <laughs> just just uh, but just going back that uh i do think that Film has, or just like any art form, but film especially, because I think it's a wee bit underrated. I think a lot of people still kind of look down on film as an art form and think, oh, but it's just, you know, cheap tricks and it's just entertainment. Now, a lot of people can say it about certain types of music and say, oh, like that music's manufactured, but it's like agreed amongst most people that there's certain classic music that can do things or move you in certain ways. But I don't know, I don't think that people really look at film still in the same way, even though there's such a huge back catalogue of amazing films that can change your life. But, uh, for me, when you when you, when you sent this last night, I was like, "Oh fuck, I'm, I, I got a hundred of those." Uh, fuck, I, I, I got the same. I, I was I, like, Jesus. I find it hard to like pinpoint specifics because yeah. I think they're so a lot of things are so definitely like ingrained in my psyche from films I watched growing up that I think they're my they're my thoughts. That's precisely yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> I think that some of the things that have influenced me through so many films that I've watched and have influenced and kind of form my personality. I've rather seen them that long ago that I now think that that's just me and I don't really remember where the influence came from or they were that subtle and kind of just inceptioned me in my subconscious that I don't <laughs> even realise that the influence was there, if you know what I mean. He doesn't even realise that's an inception. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even realise they're all asleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're on a bus crashing on that phone. But, that uh, <laughs> oh, so that's why we're floating. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was the Morgans. <laughs> <laughs> or that ETHAB you dropped before we started. <laughs> <laughs> it was only half. <laughs> Give us an off, give us an off. But, uh, Can you imagine how useless that would be? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be all, look at this mic, it's amazing! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever breathe? It's great. <laughs> I'm on the half and keep us up. My recommendation is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
longer, just 20 minutes of her breathing. <laughs> My recommendation is breathe more. <laughs> it keeps you alive. <laughs> but... Uh, one that I, the one that kind of stuck out in my head, and maybe the reason that I came through is because it is one of my top three favorite films. And like Mickey said before, so many times when he's asked me, it seems to be maybe just my favorite film because I always say I, I, I kind of flip between, you know, six or seven. But if you ask me on any sort of good day, I would say the apartment. Now, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. What the apartment kind of not not taught me, but kind of redefined or underlined for me is don't let your job or other people change you. Because I don't know if you've seen the apartment, but the apartment is basically about this guy who works for this big company in New York City, and he's the bottom of the ladder, and he's trying to impress his bosses and stuff like that by, like, lending them his apartment so they can, like, have affairs on their wives and stuff like that there. Now, first of all, it taught me, like, don't bend for people, because the whole way through that film, like, I think that the thing that Billy Wilder's trying to get across is even though he lends out this apartment and stuff, at the end of the film, he has no more respect from like his, his kind of superiors. They have just used them. So never bend for anybody and never let anybody use you. That's that's one thing that I got. Especially if it's for someone fucking as morally morally vapid as fucking letting people have affairs in your house. like. But that, obviously that's not something I'm very interested in whatsoever. But uh, another thing that he kind of taught me is like, it's just that there's like a there's like a duty between people. I don't know. It's it's something that I've always kind of read from the apartment that you have a duty. We all have a duty to help each other out. You know what I mean? And help each other through because one of the or some of the most powerful scenes in the apartment is when he's um, helping his love interest. She's just trying to commit suicide. And this is a film in nineteen sixty, and I mean, like, I think that the reason why it's got more and more popular as the years went on and kind of went from one of Billy Wilder's sort of hidden gems they'd be in like a, a stone cold classic is that it's really prescient I mean the humour is like really caustic and really dark and still works now it's just I'm, a cynical I'm sorry what, what is prescient what's prescient it means that it becomes more and more relevant with time mm. pretty much like but uh, I like that one it's a good word strong strong <laughs> word I've been reading the dictionary too <laughs> I honestly <laughs> <But> haven't <laughs> <laughs> but um I think that's the reason why it's continued to be so influential because you watch a lot of comedy. Like, I would even say, like, Billy Wilder's probably more famous comedy. Um, some like it hot. That's still funny, but it's more slapsticky. And, you know, some of it's about did it, and people just don't really find that sort of stuff funny anymore. You can still find it entertaining, but you're not going to be fucking falling out of your seats. You know yeah. what I mean? Whereas. Oh, the, the last line, and that always gets me. Oh, I mean, so, I got yeah. that Stone Cold <laughs> classic line. It's an absolute classic line, but I think with the apartment, the reason that it's influence has grown and why people still find it funny and actually really emotionally engaging is because it actually speaks to people nowadays too and it's really like very very cynical for a film that's released in 1960 hence why I think all of us being miserable cynical bastards in the modern day can kind of adapt it or, or, or obviously see a lot in ourselves in it but uh, yeah, the main thing for me is just you have a duty to our people to help each other out and don't be a dickhead or don't kind of bend your own sort of moral structure don't become a different person just because it's just, what's expected of you from other people someone else is a dickhead doesn't mean you have to yeah be. precisely and I mean like, I know it sounds like a very basic thing and I always try to love that way anyway but it's the first time it really hit home with me in like the sort of narrative structure of the themes I was seeing in the film and as well it's probably because just Jack Lemmon is one of the nicest kind of most engaging down there leading men that there ever is and you kind of mm see more of yourself in someone like that than someone with like fucking say John Wayne who just seems like a movie star I think that's always like the sort of quality that Jack Lemmon had 
Aye, I said he always seemed very down to everything. Didn't seem like John a movie Everyman. star. <laughs> Aye, exactly. He just seemed like someone who was plucked off the street, who could kind of, as they say in the trip, have this sort of balance between, you know, pathos and what is it, pathos and brevity or what? Some shit they got there. Aye, but I, I mean, like he just he just struck that balance. And they said, I think maybe it's because his performance is so down there. If you think he just seems like a normal guy, doing what he should be doing, his duty. Duty. To other people, duty, it's duty, <laughs> duty. <laughs> call of duty. But uh, aye, so that's that's one that kind of stuck with me. There's probably, as I say, hundreds, thousands, more. thousands, it's like wee tiny, even throwaway lines in films that maybe you see when you were like five or six yeah. that have probably not only informed how you kind of speak or your humour or how you kind of interact with other people, but maybe even just kind of subtly change the way you see someone or the or the way you kind of view a, a certain aspect of life that you just it's impossible that i think they kind of measure that influence because i would say I mean, like when you're when you're a child it is the main art form because when you're when you're a, a kid burst off on the radio you're not really interested in music that much if there's a song on you you might dance there you might like it but say it when you're any song. Yeah, when you're five six seven eight you don't really Seek out Five, six, 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 seven, seven, eight. eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought it was. <laughs> Perfect. But when you're that age, I mean, you don't really seek out music. It's not until your your teens where you kind of get self aware and you start picking out your own music. And, and go, you totally oh, think this you're Eminem. Cool. Aye. Is are that you just t- me? Are you thinking fucking Kurt Cobain or something? Kim, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know you. <laughs> but um, I think it's it's the first art form you really engage with because I mean, even from when you're like three or four, you have like your favorite. DVD or video tip that you want to watch and if you're watching that on repeat as a child or if you're watching you know like a collection of films on repeat as a child a lot of it's going to stick with you and, and be like the kind of bulbing blocks of your personality you know what I mean obviously other stuff is in there too like your interactions with people around you but I think it's a massive thing well I think it's kind of like our like our modern version of like word of mouth mm. you know like stories were always passed down between generations you know yeah. and they were always like if you go way, way back, obviously it's like about survival instinct. Yep. Um, but then it's more so about it's kind of how our society formed. And yeah, you you know, do you remember getting stories at bedtime? And I think now it's more people get films at bedtime, you know. And I think they're yeah. they're def they're definitely do when your brain is forming, it definitely aids or disables that. You know, depending <laughs> on what you know what you're watching, but. Um, I think I can see a, a link between that. It's definitely an important part of like humanity. I think it's hugely important, especially as well. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's the most important for, for development. I think that reading as well, and even just writing and just even drawing as a child and kind of letting that. It's the first time where you let your kind of creativity flow out. You know, when you start just drawing fucking doodles and stuff like that. But that's hugely important too. Oh, definitely. But I think that just kind of watching TV and film as well is maybe like a new phenomenon but I think for me personally even just seeing my wee brother grow up who's only nine as opposed to the sort of I don't know we're kind of going off topic here but as opposed to the sort of language acquisition that I would have had at his age and maybe it's because I don't know because I was that age and didn't realise what I was saying but looking at kids nowadays they just seem a lot smarter than oh, what yeah. we would have been oh, definitely. And, not, and not only as a, I think because they have been you know, kind of expose the uh, technology and stuff like that from a young age way more. But I think it's because, you know, that they're, they're watching more kind of visual content and they're, they're just picking up bigger words and bigger vocabularies and understanding way bigger things that we wouldn't have. I mean, even though, like, 
children's TVs, I would say, a lot more sophisticated than what it would have been when we were growing up. Like, I was watching my younger cousin, and the only thing that shuts him up for 10 minutes is that baby TV, I'm not good with children. <laughs> so that shuts him up for 10 minutes, and then you take him outside, they rip out my mommy's flowers, and then you have another 10 minutes of baby TV. Um, I've, he wasn't even, I was just like engrossed. Like baby TV is not like <laughs> it's not kids television. It's literally like blah blah blah, blah and yeah. all the colors and all. And I was all whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like so you, we, I definitely didn't. We stoned at the time. How, how, no, how, I was hard to stone. <laughs> <laughs> how many brownies did you have? <laughs> I thought they were just regular normal brownies. <laughs> Do you put some weed in that Wayne's Rusk? <laughs> it does shut them up. <laughs> Slept for hours. Biggest <laughs> um, nap time. Well, I don't know, like. As you're saying, like I find it when you brought the topic up, um, I was I was the same as Shan. I was like, yeah, definitely. But I find it hard to kind of think of specific examples. I like pinpoint them. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know if this is if what I don't know if this is exactly what we're talking about. But when I watch films, I get ve- like I um, I like to immersively watch something. So, um, you whatever I'm watching, I usually tend to want to be that person. Or yeah. if they're a bad person, avoid being that person. Um, but so something that I remember watching that, that was kind of, it kind of really changed my perception of things. Mm. And maybe I would be like um quite, like a, like socially aware. Like I'm always, oh, did I, should I, did I say the right thing? Did I do? Yeah. And I think possibly that might be because of the Truman Show. <laughs> um, so I watched the Truman Show and then I, I just, like it's just something I do after a film. I just imagine if that was my life. So I was all, and then I imagined it for way too long for like two weeks. Like I was all, <laughs> I thought like I, but I was all what if, like what what if he didn't fucking know? And I've never sailed that far out into the sea. I don't know. <laughs> like so that that changed I, me. I I, <laughs> I I personally think that everybody of our generation who's seen the Truman Show had the very same fear. Dave, our friend, your friend also was horrified after watching the Truman Show. He was convinced that his fucking life was a 24-hour oh, yeah. TV show. Oh, but yet. then he says that the only reason he realised that it wasn't a 24-hour TV show is because he realised he was boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I would not have got the viewers over like an 18-year period or whatever it was when the Truman Show was released. It would be like if someone was like buying something in the shop and they'd be like, oh, I really love Mars bars. I'd be like, do you really? Mm, do you really? Are you working for Mars? Hey, <laughs> how much do you love What's going on? Eat this fucking Mars <laughs> bar. Eat it! <laughs> um, but then something that, that wasn't so... Something that was... um a bit less severe but also kind of changed the way i thought about things was um 500 days of summer yeah um because you realize that the summer's not that long yeah it's who the fuck is a 500 day summer like, that's a, that was my whole point <laughs> but uh you know it the the kind of the premise of that is you kind of get so swept up in the idea of yeah. of a romance that that uh you're overlooking the f- the fact that that person might be completely wrong for yeah, you. Yeah, you must stuff about the person. And then it's not even that, but I think it it shows like a a kind of self involvement that comes with being in a relationship. Yeah. Um. Not every obviously like um, but I think that that um, that was quite poignant for me. I think that's a really good point because I think that song that five hundred days summer does really well is that. It kind of highlights the fact that I'm not saying this is with all relationships, but quite a lot of relationships, especially people who just want a relationship for the sake of having a relationship. Yeah. As opposed to for a lover because they actually probably like the person. They just think they like the it's person. the idea. The idea of yeah. it, yeah. I think is that 
some relationships are just inherently selfish for one or possibly both of the members of that relationship. Some people just want a relationship so they can rather brag about it or just because they think, oh, well, that's what people do. You know, when people are my age, they go out with people and they start relationships and they have sex, they have children, they get married and shit like that there. I should be doing this. And it's so they kind of throw themselves at it. But in doing that, like you were saying, they're blinded. And just because they've actually been able to pull somebody or somebody's interesting enough on them, they start a relationship, they think, oh, well, this is happy days, this is perfect now, this is supposed to be, but you kind of miss the fact that maybe that person isn't right for you at all, or you miss the fact that maybe that, per- that person's quite nasty, hence why then a lot of these relationships, everybody's had a bad relationship, hence why so many relationships break down quite quickly, you know what I mean? And, like, I, I think as well, like, a perfect, you know, I'm sure there are the, the people that, like, um you know, getting into relationships for the idea of it. Yeah. and But I think there's something else that kind of... It, it, it wasn't exactly that. It was more like... So I I say I, I fancied somebody and I'd be, th- and I'd be like, oh, it's okay, but, and, they, and they said this and, and I would be quite analytical about yep. most of our conversations and I'd be oh, if they said this, they must mean this and, they, and I, I'm putting thoughts in their head. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's fucking... Cr- like, what? Why? That's... I have no idea what they're thinking. Why am I like even pretending I do and like tricking myself? And I don't know. Like you're not alone, pal. We all do it. The worst one is trying to because you feel like a fucking code breaker, like an FBI code breaker, is when you're like first seeing somebody and you have to decipher what a text means. Like because <laughs> I mean, what I would usually do, and I hundred percent hold my hands up here. Yeah, obviously, I'm completely out of the game because I've been fucking in a relationship for three years. But when I wasn't in a relationship or when I was trying to woo even my girlfriend now, I would send fucking essay texts. I mean, like, so much information about what I've been up to that day. And, I mean, obviously, I tried to cut them down because I was like, right, I don't want this girl getting bored as fuck. I'm thinking that I'm just lottery telling her everything. Fuck about off, Shan. You were worried about the, the price per text. <laughs> <laughs> I got free texts on. Oh, jeez, I'm going, right? going on the four and messages. Her, oh, her I sent a couple of five five chapters. <laughs> they they literally were, like, code-breaking um, because there were, like, it, I don't know what it is now. You know, most people are on contract, but I think at the time it was, like, 9p. It's like, 9p for a message. Yeah. Um, and so Breach would get everything under the one message. <laughs> no spaces, no punctuation. Like everything would be like, I think she actually invented text speak. Because it, it would take days. To figure, and it was the best. They were the best. She'd be like, oh, why did you not text back? The text back. I'm still figuring it out. And it's so fun. It was like, it was like, a, like a daily puzzle. It was great. I love as well like, that she probably sent all these really fucking out there meshes and you're probably sitting on they trying to decode thinking what does she mean what does she mean you she probably just went blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, no I went down to school the next day she's on which bottom hours burn a ship so I'm really mundane I'm no she she fell asleep on her phone yeah. and just <laughs> fucking rolled Hi. over the keys it's essentially like, like what I, does it mean Hi. I'm pretty sure it's the end of the world <laughs> and we need to go out to the bunker <laughs> I think that's what needs to happen that's a say, it's the mobile phone version of uh, the end day when I watch whatness what does it mean Jesus really I'm I'm kind of getting that way with tweeting though because obviously you only have 140 characters so like like for posting up about a new episode or whatever like I posted on on Facebook and then I copy and paste what I put up on Facebook and the Twitter but obviously that's always too many words or characters so I always try and cut it down and by the end it just doesn't make sense <laughs> it's like new app 
Matt Damon. Listen. Listen. <laughs> Fun. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it does, you have to remove like all punctuation and stuff. Just it's just letters. <laughs> um, I did kind of have one. Like mine's are more like it. It would be less lines that stick out, but one more film that kind of uh, changed. I'm very. I'm like a fucking potty or something very easily changeable by these films it seems um oh yeah i'm the exact same way like after second series of, of daredevil i was walking about like a punisher now. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it was um, i would you say i was walking about like a blind man <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i've talked about this film before but wake in life um that animated film it's all yeah. about um someone who's like within a dream and he can't wake up and it's it's split between that kind of narrative plus interviews of people talking about lucid dreaming mm-hmm. but it's all kind of rotoscoped and it's really cool and it's quite it is like quite dreamy to watch but it kind of got me very interested in the idea of lucid dreaming i see uh like suffer from it wasn't like night terrors it wasn't like a terrifying but it was it would be that like i would wake up like 10 10 times yeah. but re- and like get up and do like get up and go out the door and then i'd wake up again like like pretty much every morning it was like a hard thing so i was always tired i was never in like a full sleep and that film got me interested in the idea of lucid dreaming um and how to kind of like if you're susceptible to it then how to either avoid it or control it and then have a good night's sleep when you need and um now i kind of sleep quite well i feel so you have mastered lucid dreaming Uh, no i wouldn't say that but I can definitely like li- say it's only really if you lie down during the day and it's not a regular time that you usually sleep, and I can lie down and be alright. I'll have a wee lucid dream and I do, but then sometimes I'd be like, it's then I read this kind of, I don't know if anyone's seen it. It was on Reddit where a guy apparently mur- he's confessing. I don't know if it's a a lie. He's confessing to murdering someone in his sleepwalking state. No, he wasn't saying he was lucid dreaming. But sometimes I just be like jumping off buildings and all, you know, like having the crack <laughs> in my dreams because you can kind of fly to the next building and it's great. Then I'm thinking, am I, am I actually about to jump off a real building? <laughs> 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 I don't know anymore. So I think I might need to start being a bit careful. <laughs> just that. see Kiva jumping off fucking the BT building. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on the way down, it was an accident. It's about time they fucking start strapping Kiva down, like, <laughs> just in case. There's a film though I can't mind the name of it. It's Martin Freeman and Diane DeVito and Penelope Cruz. I think Sam Pegg's on as well. But it's all about lucid dreaming. I hate go and try and look it up for me, Shannon. Okay. Diane DeVito and Martin Freeman's definitely on it. I don't know. Okay. And Penelope Cruz thing. Keep, and Sam keep, Pegg. Keep talking. About <laughs> I'm pretty all sure they're all on it. But uh, no, it's all about lucid dreaming. Like uh, Martin Freeman has this kind of lucid dream, but this girl appears in his dream and then he sees her out in real life and then he's like freaked out like so he starts getting really indie like lucid dreaming and he meets Diane DeVito and he kind of teaches him how to do it better like you can't like you can't take like uh sleeping tablets because that fucks up your dreams and all so you just need to be naturally tired so he goes out running more and then he puts he blacks out all his windows and all and pads the place and stuff he's here The Good Night The Good Night 2007 directed by well, Keith Allen's in there too. Must be a classic. <laughs> uh, he's Keith Allen. He's Lil Allen's Lil dad. dad. He's in like train spotting and stuff. Oh, was he in some kind of like, you know, when Game of Thrones got big, they made like, it was like. Oh, he was in Robin King Hood. King Arthur. Uh, yeah, uh, he was a sheriff in Nottingham, wasn't he? Uh, 
Uh, directed by Jake Paltrow, who also done... I've never heard him. He also done... Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but there's there's this yeah. really kind of heartbreaking scene, though, where Martin Freeman goes around to Diane DeVito's house to, like, confront them about something. But Diane, you see Diane DeVito, and he has the blacked-out windows and all, and just basically his whole apartment is just for sleep. Like, yeah. he just has a bed in the middle of it, and everything's, like, soundproofed and all is here. And, like, yeah, Mar- fear reaching Fuck me. Day. Like, Michael, <laughs> Michael Gambon and one of Paltrow are fucking on this, too. Yeah, he's actually a really big cast for not hearing about it, because like, it was a quite small film. Big solid 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb from 7,452 votes. There you go. And <laughs> it's got a 49 meta score, which is obviously the most important one. But to continue. <laughs> But uh, just Diane DeVito starts having this this kind of monologue about lucid dreaming, and he's all like, "I've climbed Mount Everest. I've had drinks with dead friends." Also, like he he goes on this whole big thing about everything that he's done, but he hasn't, he hasn't really done, done it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of, it's kind of like a bittersweet moment that he's done all these amazing things, but he hasn't really done it. He's been sat in a blacked out apartment but. but then like i don't know i'm i'm interested in like the brain and how it works and i think if if you're experiencing the idea of doing that i'm gonna end up like danny devito you're gonna fucking if, end up you, like arnold Schwarzenegger. You, <laughs> you felt like you did it so like what's the difference between doing it and yeah. not if your brain well obviously i don't think so much in a dream but i'm i'm talking more like hallucinogenically or i don't know i, I don't know the brain just perplexes me Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of wrapping up on the uh, topic you brought up, Michael. Uh, another film that I took influence from and taught me a valuable life lesson: Home Alone. Do not be home alone. <laughs> and if you are, like, have loads of like little yeah. shit set up and be yeah. rich, and hopefully and have have hopefully like a really it's at ha- Christmas, so you have lots of things lying about. Like you can yeah. do ice related things. Yeah, ice related mischief, yeah. and then hopefully uh, you'll have like a really creepy but very honourable old boy who lives next to you with a like, massive shovel, just so he can fucking beat off the robbers. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> battle the robbers. That, home alone as well. It uh, something that it taught me was what a faucet was. Ah, yes. I was all willing on about a faucet and they always all tap. I was like, oh. uh, just a tap. Oh. What I Americans, in it. Americans, in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Terminator and Terminator 2 taught me the, robo- the robot apocalypse is inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> Shall happen. <laughs> What's that word you taught me before? Prescient. Like, prescient. So I think something that is quite prescient from Mary Poppins, which I think most of like medicine companies do now, because, like, medicine now tastes so good, they all just put a little sugar <laughs> <bullshit laughs> in it. <laughs> Brilliant. Probably one of the most wholesome films of all time has influenced the pharmaceutical industry and the being a billion-dollar fistless bunch the of bastards. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why everyone's so fat. It's because they're on pills for things because they're so fat. <laughs> but Mary <Poppins laughs> Yeah, it's actually like no, a won't, won't, fucking won't. morphine or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Sounds like goodie. <laughs> <laughs> morphine and a spoon of sugar? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> the director's called Mary Poppins. She's just fucked on opium or something. <laughs> just fucking injected. Sure, what's that scene where they're literally all floating on the roof and all? <laughs> like, they were all fucked. <laughs> well, they jump into a painting. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> It's a cheeseburger, man. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking, you know, 
What are you calling? Dick Van Dyke has a Cockney accent. That's uh, mental. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely on drugs. Such a good Just Will Tamal. He's not even playing, playing a character. <laughs> fucked. He's just sweeping chimneys. They're all perfect. <laughs> Star. <laughs> and you get. <laughs> what a name too, Dick Van Dyke. I know. So good. Yeah, they had a blank out the first and last name when censorship. That's the guy on but Ronji. Is Van kind of like, you know, like Mac? Like we would have like MacDonald. It's I Dutch. Hey, it's Dutch. Eh? It's Dutch for son of. Like me, I think like Van means like, <laughs> like so I, in, You goddamn like, son of a dyke. A dyke is like that wee hole in a dam. So he's putting his dick in a. That no, well, since I just said there now that the, the, the origin, obviously, Van is a, is a Dutch kind of prename, and it means son of, so he's the son of a dyke. I bet I decided that I didn't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Kiva just wants him fucking a dam. Yeah, like a huge <laughs> dam, and you could be all, damn. <laughs> and he impregnates the dam, Yeah. and then gets a dyke. Gets a dyke. But there, yeah. I'm just checking but his dyke, van. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I'm right, actually. Good. No, no, I'm right. <laughs> I know oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm right, but I won't show you on my phone. I'll just immediately oh, put no, it no, back. No, 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 I don't want to see it. I know you're right, but but it's it's okay to be wrong sometimes. You know, and I learned that from a film, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and Sharon's Karen, I also learned that from a film. <laughs> this isn't a film, but I learned from the Friends TV show that if you're going to do something wrong, you might as well do it right. <laughs> Yeah. And that means if you know you're already in the shit, just fucking go balls uh, out. I go whole fo- shag twice. It's, 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 it's <laughs> like, um, someone was go saying hog, on, a, on a forum about Malcolm in the Middle that they're... Because I started re-watching Malcolm in the Middle when it came on Netflix like two, three years ago. Is it on Netflix? So, well, it was. Um, or it might be on the US one. I don't know. It de- all of it was on there anyway. I'd watch the shit out of it. Someone... And I got really well back into it and I thought it was all so hilarious. And I was thinking, basically, because, I mean, that was like a staple of, like, going home and w- watching Malcolm in the Middle, yeah. like, nearly every day. Cheese and crackers. It, it, I think it kind of formed my humour. Yeah. Like, because it just, it's it's still quite relevant to me, hel- hilarity-wise. So are you saying that Frankie Moon is, is your ha- dream man? Hilarity-wise. Hilarity. Ha- Not bad. Yeah. But are you basically saying that Frankie Moon is your dream man? <laughs> I mean, have you seen him recently? No. Yeah, well, but he retired not. when he was like sixteen. So <laughs> it's yeah. like, he made I Agent Cody Banks then fucked <laughs> off. What a legend! Oh, Agent Cody Banks two, and then he fucked off. Words then. <laughs> I know. I actually mind seeing like a comment or something on the internet about somebody basically slagging off Frankie Muniz, like he was a shite actor, Malcolm in the Middle, and then like he actually replied like, "I but now I'm retired at nineteen or something." <laughs> <laughs> like, it was all no. I think it was something like I I made Agent Cody Banks two. Made millions, retired at nineteen, and now just drive cars all day with fast women. <laughs> Sweet, like so you can say fuck all, fast cars and slow women. No, no, no. Okay, let's move on to recommendation. Because you sounded like the, when he turned into a donkey in Pinocchio. Yeah. 
I literally like don't that lie. Made, I think that fellow made me like have a conscience, and I always like the idea that my conscience was like a, a little cricket. Was good. <laughs> and you're if don't gay. And if yeah, if if you're good and ultimately like have magical people who like you, then you can become real. If you need a wood. Okay, so Kiva, do you have a recommendation? Yes. Um, my recommendation is 30 Days of Night. <laughs> um, that's, that's a that's a Frankenstein movie, isn't it? No, it's, it's a v- vampire vampire movie. Um, it's 2007. I think the director's David Slade. Could be wrong. I don't know. The he, guy who does... Because he loves playing in the snow. Not slaying shit. The guy, <laughs> is it the guy who did um, what do you call that one with Ellen Page? Uh, hard, hard, hard candy. candy. I think it was the same guy who did that. What'd you think of film? Pretty weird. Pretty weird. Yeah. I went to see it on a cinema, oh. and me and Jill were the only two people in there. It was oh. super weird. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> um, but it's got um Josh Hartnett, and babe, I can't remember the girl. But basically, um, I watched it because it's based on, um, one of my f- a comic by one of my favorite comic book, uh, writers and illustrators, Ben Templesmith. Um, he just illustrated the comic. It was written by Steve Niles. Um, so I don't think the film, in my opinion, holds like anything against the comic. I think the comic is like way better, but it's worth a watch because it's got um, a new idea. Like, you know, a new spin on the vampire. And it's based in a town called Barrow in Alaska. He, he did do Hard Candy, B2Dubs. Those yeah. are yeah. David Slade? Yeah. Fuck you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I did say Slade. So Slade? No, that's actually, that's not a Slade. Uh, you're right yeah. as well. So um, I was in the toilet there. <laughs> but, uh, Melissa George just, is the girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's based in a town called Barrow in Alaska where they experience like 30 days of constant mm. night. There's no light whatsoever. Um, but they love up, like, there's a core, like, small community that live up there during that time, you know, to keep everything Just give going it a run and blah, blah, blah. It's, um, the, there's, a, like, a one, one year, there's, like, a vampire invasion because they're, and it's kind of, it's nice that it's, uh, it's obviously organized. The vampires are very organized. They wait until it's the 30 days of night. Yeah. So there's no, like... Oh, I have to hide from daylight. They're all, it's a fucking 30 day buffet. I love that too. <laughs> when, uh, but like yourself, when I was reading the 30 Days of Night comic, uh, I think it's just one of those narratives, not only in the comic, but it just lends itself so well to a film. You know yeah. what I mean? Because not only is, as you say, Ben Templeton's drawn, so kind of distinctive and just sets that mood of this sort of, you know, town that's cooked narratives for 30 days, but it's just a really cool concept. It's really Like, cool. picture this place. 30 days a night, obviously every fucking vampire worth their salt is going to be all, that's a feeding ground for as long as we fucking want. We don't yeah. have to kind of rise and then, you know, fucking go back in that coffin again. You know what I mean? It's oh, like yeah, we can just fucking... shit. Hey, <laughs> we can go fucking mental. But when it first came out, I remember it was kind of criticised as just being kind of very straightforward and stuff like that. I think it's underrated. I wouldn't say it's a hidden gem. I think there's, I think I think there's it's a lot very of good roles though. in there. Um, I can't remember his name, but there's one, they, ca- they capture a guy and... He's he's in the jail and he's obvi- he's Ben Foster. Ben Foster. Yeah, ben Foster. he's um he's love that guy. He's not a vampire, but he's kind of like he's that character, you know, that like 
you know when Dracula has a wee helper, that wee mental helper. Uh, he's like, come, master, <laughs> master. Um, you know, and he's. He, but I mean, the way he. It, oh, I we, think it's oh, a, we helpers all of us have. It's a really. It's Where a really. Dracula a helper. He doesn't fucking know what he called the the Francis Ford Coppola one. We. Uh, Anthony Hawkins. And, and what do you call it? An uh, actual dra- like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, he's like a wee, well. he's like a wee yeah. Igor, but he's, he's not like a, a mental hospital, and you know he can kind of control him mentally. Yeah. Um, it's usually someone who, so they're usually mental, so they have like a weak, susceptible yeah. mind. But yeah. I think it's a very nice, it's a nice spin in that even small role that he like. I I thought he that was amazing. I thought Super. it was a really good role. But as I say, it's it's definitely worth a watch. The comics worth a read. Um. Yeah, 30 Days a Night. Oh. My recommendation is a really annoying cop-out one that Sean's not going to like. <laughs> Go on. The Trip. Ah, oh, yes. Because technically, it was a film. It was a film. <laughs> I think they chopped down the six the, episodes of the first series of the one film. I, 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 I just no, it's not. I, I didn't watch it. It was just, I had a friend who was All right. so... <laughs> you uh, physically was, couldn't watch it. What is it? Steve Cooker and Rob Brady. Uh... What does Steve Coogan do? No, they're, they're essentially Alan pa- I had a friend who was so into Alan Partridge. I fucking hated Alan Partridge. Was it me? <laughs> no, it was when I was at uni. It was just like all the time. Like all the time. That's all he wanted to watch. All the time. So he was like, oh, we're good. See-. No. Uh, in fairness, <laughs> yeah, in, in fairness, there's only like fucking 14 episodes on Partridge too, so it would get pretty old if you're watching well, all if, the fucking time. if you do like the day-to-day and then like knowing no, me, me, knowing you. And knowing and me, then, knowing you. And then... I'm on Partridge. And then, yeah, you don't, and then you don't the film and then you don't the audiobook. <laughs> I know, that's probably like 60 hours worth of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I'd, say it's pretty, I'd say you'd be struggling with a day there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the trip, it's uh, Steve Cook and Rob Brighton playing themselves and they go on a trip. They uh, just review different restaurants. Steve Cook was supposed to go, go with his very fancy foreign girlfriend. and uh, But then she dropped out so then he called up is Mitt Rob Brighton. He, he, he doesn't actually like that much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's directed by Michael Winterbottom. He's a very interesting director. He, he, is, very um, interesting he, cha- he changes it up a lot. Yeah, because he does nine songs, which is just basically his excuse to make the most. <laughs> I mean, I, I think nine songs was just his excuse to essentially make a porn film, but he kind of cloaked it under that age-old defense that, oh no, it's art because there's music playing over it and we're doing it in a tasteful way. It's a fucking porno, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest with you, like, that you show, like, it's it's actually kind of crazy if you... If he you blasts on her face, doesn't he? That's a bit, it's a on, it's, I mean, like, it's one of the few uh, feature films that ever been made that actually has unsimulated, or some, sorry, unsimulated sex between the two actors. They're yeah, properly they're, yeah. fucking they're each other. No, I, know, I, I seen it, like, I watched, it was, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, nearly. I just think, like, and even the songs that play over there, it doesn't kind of give you any sort of insight to the relationship whatsoever. Like, I, it's like, just two people fucking writing for I know we're not talking about nine songs, but, like, I think... See the idea, of, like, say if the two actors are comfortable and want to like have real sex, that's fine. But why make a whole entire film? Yeah, like that? oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, just I'm, the whole film. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole I'm, film. I'm not against the, the two of them, you know, being kind of consensual and actually having sex. But I mean, like, you're exactly right. It's just like there's literally no narrative except them shagging each other. You know what I mean? But then he, you know, he does like twenty four hour party people where Steve Coogan gets a fake blowjob. So. <laughs> <laughs> With, with Peter Kay around there too somewhere I think it's out in Peter Kay's van or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and then he, like, he does something like uh, Angelina Jolie like a mighty heart and stuff you know he's he's a very diverse I would say he's diverse diverse and versatile I do like 24 hour party people but his, I, uh, his producing partner as well is also from Derry aye 
can't even his name. Doesn't know it. But he came to the Fog Film Festival one <laughs> Our biggest, our biggest and fucking had bright eye. <laughs> Come to me. Including <laughs> 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 myself. <laughs> Can I be in the shop? Well, finish me off, mostly. But <laughs> Not Michael Winterbottom, by the way, his producer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I continue about the shop. I obviously fucking love the shop. Also, oh, yeah, ex- the explain the fact that there is, what I love about it is Steve Cook and Rob Brayden, I wouldn't even say they they are they are just playing themselves. Yeah, they're just they're given free reign. It's so improvisational, and they just do impressions of fucking Anthony Hopkins class. Like, I know, like most most of it is just. Well, I'm speaking from watching the episodes of the trip. I've never actually watched the two hour film. Nor have I. But it's just a cut down version of the series that is six half an hour episodes. But there's there's not a lot of plot or anything. They throw in a wee kind of bit of a story there just to kind of keep you flowing, but. Mostly just Steve Cook and Rob Brighton sitting across from each other at a restaurant and just doing impressions back and forth. And the funny thing is just... It just sounds horrible. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the the funny thing, like, because you kind of feel like this is the way they would genuinely go on with each other anyway. And they have wee digs at each other and you just think that is their kind of friendship. Like, because obviously Steve Cook is more successful than Rob Brighton, but... Rob Ray, Rob Ray just kind of takes it a different way. Like, oh, but I'm a bit more entertaining and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good comeback, though. But I mean, know, it's 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 really funny, and just some of their impressions are so fucking bang on. Like, and it's it's just it's it's amazing just to see two Michael Caines shout at each other across <laughs> the table. <laughs> what I love about it too is like, not only is it them doing impressions and just being you know kind of genuinely funny, but I love how through both series because the second series is obviously the Trump Deadly. I don't uh, enjoy that as much. I didn't enjoy that as much, but I still I think they go a wee bit more dramatic with the second series. But I just like the fact that they keep quoting all these kind of great artists from before, like the uh, like uh, Byron and and, and Colesworth and stuff like that. And they're trying to create a parallel with how their lives are going, but obviously they know that they're not as fucking talented or as poetic as these people. But another thing that I I just kind of like about that is that. It gives you an insight on their lives and how funny they are and like how they kind of rub on each other and stuff and how they do impressions. But then in some of the scenes, it's actually I think it's quite sad. I think there's a lot of drama in there too when you kind of have the quieter moments where like Steve Coogan, yeah. for example, standing in his uh, bathroom and he's looking at himself trying to do impressions and he, he just looks exhausted. He looks fed up with how his career's going. I think it's, it strikes a nice balance at times or, too. Or when he's standing like basically on a mountain in Scotland and just goes, Aha! <laughs> because... <laughs> Obviously, that's funny, like because Alan Parch and all, but he, he, it's a bittersweet moment as well because he's always he's always kind of struggled with that in the sense that that is his most popular character, he's, and he's found it hard to get away from it. Yeah, like. because he looks like him. <laughs> 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 but uh, like, but the fact that he can kind of go and do that and kind of make fun of that, even even though it's probably true as well, oh, how, yeah. he, how he how he feels about the character. It, it, well, to be like, I haven't seen it, but that sounds like it's it's quite generous. Like he's being quite generous with him yeah. with himself. Yeah, he's always you been very always open in that way, that, though. Like, yeah, so he's always been very open and saying that he's found it hard to kind of get away from Partridge, but he always says that it is his favorite creation. He's always going to go back to it. Like so, it's I, a bittersweet thing there. Like just to kind of because uh, Steve Cook and Rob Brown and Michael Winterbottom, they kind of done a few things together. Have you ever seen a cock and bull story? Yeah, I thought you were going to bring this up. What's that like? It's good. It's it's all right. Like I've never actually seen it. It's all right. I mean. It's not as good as a trip. It it is again. It's quite. I would say it's quite intertextual and it's quite kind of documentary style as well because. But they're not actually playing themselves. They're not they? actually playing themselves. No, but they are playing like two actors who are trying I to get basically themselves. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, we'll watch the trip. Don't watch the cockles. <laughs> I will actually like as much like as much as I moaned about it the whole way through. I will actually watch it. Watch one episode. It's, like all the episodes are on Netflix. So and yeah, they're only like 25, 26 minutes long each, and they're hilarious. They're hilarious. I love the trip. Oh, <laughs> You'll come back next week. I'll be loving it. <laughs> I'll be doing impressions as well. Badly, obviously. Well, it's an impression of an impression <laughs> because you're doing impressions of their impression. And I'll just say, like, I'm I'm an impressionist, like <laughs> in the sense of I'm painting an idea of what their idea about that. Oh, idea you're is. such an artist, Kevin. You're such an artist. <laughs> I find that though because like. Like, my Brian Blessed impression isn't me doing Brian Blessed. It's me doing Steve Cook, not Steve Cook, and Stephen Fry's version of Brian Blessed. That's good. I love yeah, that. I that, that I, Which I is actually that. just saying the person's name. Like, I'm Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Stephen Fry did one time, and then I copied it. That's Brian Blessed. But I, I have that for a few people that I copy their impression of someone rather than trying to do the impression. <laughs> I think that's a fucking. No, I'm, I'm going to get all philosophical here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shad, your recommendation. My recommendation is Babel 2006. It is uh, Alejandro and Aratu. I, I think that it's kind of maybe not fatal on the obscurity, but it's not as well known now because of obviously The Revenant and Birdman, but it was his last film before those two. And it's just it's, it's just a really interesting concept. I'm not going to say it's the best film ever, but dramatically and just for its idea, I like it a lot. It's three separate stories happening, uh, like, concurrently. It's Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett, and they're, like, basically on holiday in Morocco. And in the first couple of minutes, uh, Kate Blanchett gets shot on a bus by a stray bullet, shot by this kid who's up in the mountains in Morocco. Then the other story is about this kid and his family trying to escape the authorities. And then this other story is about Brad Pitt's children here back in America being watched by a Mexican nanny being taken to uh, like a, a Mexican celebration just uh, past the border and then all the, the kind of shit that happens down there. And then the sure final story, the final story, which is completely unrelated, is a Japanese girl in Tokyo who's deaf and she's kind of struggling with these massive sexual urges. You have seen it? Yeah. But they're all interconnected in some way. The one that's kind of most distant is obviously the Japanese one. The other ones are kind of very tightly connected. The Japanese one. And while a lot of people kind of complain, no, oh, they just kind of shoehorn that in just to show another continent and they show a completely different story because they didn't have enough material with the other stuff. But I like it. It is very loosely attached on there. I'll not say how, but I can't remember that actress' name, but the actress who plays the deaf girl is phenomenal. Performances are phenomenal. It looks amazing also because it is an Anaretsu film. And I just like the idea that one stray bullet in Morocco can affect so many lives around the world and then it kind of gets you in that idea that I was talking about earlier on about your duty to other people and how your actions affect so many other actions around the world like it's almost like a ripple in the water you know as soon as you had the water the butterfly effect exactly which is such a nice name for an effect as well yeah the butterfly effect that's nice but I mean I don't want to kind of because I mean, no one I, suspects I, th- the I think I think the butterfly effect is, is I think the butterfly effect's a decent film, but I think Babel's a lot more refined. I think though if I oh, know it wasn't like putting it yeah. up no, against no, no, the no, but I'm, saying, no, I'm saying if you're if you're if you're using that sort of theme, then I would say it's a it's a much more refined sort of butterfly effect in a way. But uh, no, it's really good. And it's very, very interesting. And I just I, I like I like I'm just a big fan of films that take separate stories and kinda run them concurrently, you know what I mean? But then they, they all kinda fit in the same sort of theme or, or structure even yeah, because, though they are completely unrelated like, uh, when you're watching you're kind of 
Yeah, you know that you, it takes you a while to figure all these are happening. At you're the sort same of piecing it together yeah. in your own head, yeah. And they're the best kind of songs. Like it's that. cool. Twenty One Grams, like as well. Ah, uh, it's uh, yeah, exactly. Who's that? That's an Aratu also. Is it? That's Aratu's on it. He's on it. I like Twenty One Grams. Of Coke. Is that a lot of Coke? I don't know. That's fucking a huge amount of Coke, Mikey. How much Coke does one take? I don't know. One gram. That's me. What you would buy? Like I think you buy a gram. I think that's what you. That's so. Like twenty-one grams is a lot. Twenty-one grams is like the bags that you see in like Miami Vice episodes. But I don't think you would take a whole. I don't know. I don't think you'd take a whole gram. Maybe you would. You more like have a heart attack, Mickey. Don't know about cocaine, really. (laughs) (laughs) About everything else. (laughs) I I had a quite salty dinner and I had chest pains. (laughs) (laughs) You sat up too quickly one time. I was watching Carlito's Way, and you know when they're at the the is it Sean Penn who's the lawyer, um, and they're at his house. I was actually just watching this today. And like they're at his like lake house, and I mean literally, people are like just have like bowls of cocaine each. They're all bowls of cocaine. They they be laughing at your twenty one grams. They be yeah. like, okay, small time. I know. That's like me the but, other day. Made nachos for dinner. Right? Uh, Jill Jill came home from work. I handed her a bowl of nachos. She made a joke. Oh, is this for me? I came home with my bowl of nachos. Is I had us. Oh, we each what? have a bowl of nachos. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not a final moment of your relationship? I've, I had. I've, I've been thinking about it ever since. Do you put guacamole <laughs> on your nachos? No, I do. I, I love guacamole. I ju- I just make very simple nachos. Just like the the mince beef, the tomato chili sauce. Sp- spice it up a little bit. You know, layers of cheese. Oh, uh, butter cheese. Layers of cheese. Right, well, no, I like you go. You go. Tortilla chips, mince, cheese, tortilla chips, mince, mince cheese. cheese yeah. You know, you got, you, hey, you got you can never have enough cheese unless you think you're eating a bowl of rice and it's a bowl of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> which I've done. Only last week. <laughs> last week. What? Colin Heron made us um, dinner because I was I was quite drunk and I thought, I'm going home, I need to eat food. And he was all, oh, I should, like, Shan was all, he'll make you food. And he does. Where was this? this? In Colin's In flat, his apartment. And, uh, Oh, it was amazing. and he sat it down. And he sat it, and I didn't realize this was a communal bowl of cheese. <laughs> I thought it was my bowl of rice. So, very, you, you were both very polite and said nothing, right? As I picked up this bowl for myself, started to spoon like whatever he made. I can't remember what he made, but it was very spooned it and did. And he's done. He's watched me do it. He's done saying, and then I like don't like I didn't spoon. I just spun it enough for like a mouthful, and then spooned it out and went. That's cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, one it was basically like a whole mouthful of cheese. I mean, yet. I mean, I, I could not. And I actually don't think I was using uh, a normal spoon. I think I was using like a big cooking uh, big, spoon. It was like a ladle. Like, like, it was a big ladle. A big ladle, ladle like, of oh, cheese. Because like. I was so hungry. I was literally, oh, what? and I love cheese, but See, that was too much No, cheese. no, that would have been fucking heaven to me. It was one of them ones too that when we seen Kiva do it because Kiva was so fucked and it was half four in the morning. Me and Heron just kind of gave each other no one glance over the table or all say nothing. <laughs> That was genuinely very polite. Like, I've heard it. And, and then I saw, guys, why didn't you say it? And they were like, oh, no, it's Oh, no, I don't even see it. Then, <laughs> didn't even catch and, it. 
Rachel. It was very I thought it was nice too. I appreciate, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. But, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty. I won't forget that. It definitely sobered me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all French, Kiva. There you go. If you ever need to sober up, eat shitloads of cheese. No, but do you have to <laughs> trick yourself into thinking it's something else? Yeah, because then you'll have nightmares. Because it, it's the shock. <laughs> yeah, it's like the shock. Did you actually eat the whole mouthful of cheese or just spit it out? No, I ate it. I actually went there too just speaking about lucid dreaming and run if you had like fucking so much cheese before bedtime you must have lucid nightmares do you? It's sometimes yeah Ugh, I don't it, like see it. the thing oh. about lucid dream you're very much aware so there's like there's like things you can do so like you flick a light switch it doesn't do anything clocks don't tell the right time like it's you have a wee totem. Yeah, there, well, I don't like. I don't. It's a bowl of cheese for him. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. like, you dig in there, bowl of cheese tastes like rice. I'm dreaming. <laughs> I said, like, why do you keep like taking chunks out of the cheese? I'm, all, I'm just checking. I'm dreaming. Like, but uh, like, what do you do? <laughs> no, they're 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 wee that 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 you are, and I think that it was something that did. I know we're like done with the topic and all that shit, but that that was something that helped me through like having like scary dreams checking things that you that you can and then you're, you're aware it's a dream and then it tend, the scariness tends to fade away there you go for all you nasty dreamers out there try and uh, flick a light switch i mind one time i thought i killed my primary school principal mr Jeez. simpson i was on the run <laughs> And it turned out to be a dream. <laughs> you're not delighted then. It's the best feeling ever though when you I, have when a you bad wake. dream and you realise you're all, yes, oh, it's fake. For fuck's sake. <sighs> like I, I had one like last week where I dreamt that I was fat as fuck again. Like I had like about <laughs> six stone on me and I was like really miserable the whole way through the dream and then I woke up and I immediately felt my fucking chest and my stomach. <laughs> I immediately felt like where my fucking man touched used to be. I was all, yes. <laughs> I, had a, I had a dream. I had I, I, it'd be funny if you accidentally like, grabbed Lita's touch. You're all, oh, Jesus, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they're massive. <laughs> <laughs> I was, just, humble bread. <laughs> just, just Lita wakes up, you grab her test, go, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck you did? <laughs> I'm touching me trying to sell that excuse as well no sorry I thought I was fat again what <laughs> <laughs> say your sucker tuts. <laughs> I had a dream I was blonde and uh, it was kind of the opposite I woke I up totally and I was working. very devastated oh you, you, should, you should totally go blonde well I'm going tomorrow to get something done with my hair what, I don't what? Know what. So just go complete blonde well it's like for a, a like a class that they're doing you had a like blonde once before or something, didn't I you? I had like, like a little butt. Ah, uh, butt's a blonde. I think it suited you. That's me and Adam got them as a, like a goodbye before I went to uni. Me and my brother, we got a little blonde. I'll tell you what, we'll or go platinum. Oh, I essentially look good. I would love to go see through. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you just look bald. And that's yeah. Predator hair. There's a distinctive shiver. <laughs> I ain't got time for hair. <laughs> I'm going to ask her. I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. We'll take a photo next week. Keep using your haircut and puddle up onto one. <laughs> Even if we don't have definitely Photoshop. No, I can't. My computer's broke. Oh, no. <laughs> Spilling beers on it, baby. Okay, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like getting in contact with us, send us film moments that has changed your life. Make them beautiful. Make me cry. Or make them just very, very sad and depressing. Or really funny. Funny ones, like, you realize, like, maybe don't sleep with your dad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what falls that? that? Thing? <laughs> I don't know. Probably some creepy one on Lifetime or something. Aye. Some French art film. Aye. <laughs> the film artistique. The French are always up to. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's art. Love you, French listeners.
I enjoy your fries. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to be all, I enjoy your Frenchness, <laughs> which I do. You know, they make good fries, good kissing, and good wine. Ah, oh, yeah, well, French kissing. What would we do if I French kissing? Loads, I never do it. <laughs> <laughs> what is French kissing? It's just my tongue, just tongue. Oh, you never use tongue? No, I do, yeah, but not anymore. I've been in a relationship for three years, the spark's gone. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? What do you do? Sit there and just fucking watch Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> just pop it in. <laughs> <laughs> pull it in, pull it back out again. <laughs> it's like hooker sex, no kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no. I put a bag over my head, just... <laughs> Once every four months. <laughs> Which uh, bag do you want tonight? <laughs> get hey, Sainsbury's. <laughs> uh, get that Sainsbury's one. Got good handles. <laughs> good color off that one. Do you put like funny faces on the bag? <laughs> put just Johnny Depp's face on it. <laughs> Sell to Brad Pitt and George Clooney's face on it. Just cut a wee hole and stick your tongue in but and what, get back what, into the French kiss. One at one each side because if she gets tired of Johnny Depp, I can just flip it around her. No, <laughs> you know if it's one of those paper bags, you can have like four sides. <laughs> <laughs> hey, which one do I want later? Roulette will just Oh, it's Bruce Fronson. <laughs> 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 if you're a danger one on that, oh, it's Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> oh, it's Timothy Spall. <laughs> it's the French did uh, roulette, so there's Russian roulette with a gun. French roulette is French roulette having sex with ugly person. <laughs> <laughs> French roulette. <laughs> Jeez, the French are getting a tight tonight. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can find us on Facebook, <laughs> Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email us Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews, angry reviews if you're French <laughs> on iTunes, ACAS, and also on Stitcher Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shanko's with Shanko. Hey, you. Keep it swinging. He's been keeping it swinging. Episode 49. One from that big motherfucking 5 baby. We forgot to do 48 last week because I also say 48. 48 for last week, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Also, Sean just reminded me, next week is our 50th episode, which is a year doing the podcast, and we're going to try and do something a little special for you. Keep your eyes look out for it. Bye. Yep, yep, yep. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.